Now 1.03 p.m. and my name is Bavette Brackett and this is the regular meeting of the Commission on Community Investment and Infrastructure for Tuesday, November 7th, 2023. I'd like to welcome everyone today um, joining us. Today's meeting is going to be held both in person and also um, virtually. Members of the public can participate and provide comments both in person at City Hall and remotely by phone. Thank you to the staff and the guests who are in attendance today in this meeting. Um, Madam Secretary, can you please call the first order of business? Thank you, Madam Chair. The first order of business is item one, roll call. Commission members, please respond when I call your name. Commissioner Aquino. Present. Commissioner Drew is absent. Vice Chair Scott. Vice Chair, Vice Chair Scott is here. Chair Brackett. Present. Commissioner Drew is absent, but all other members are present. Madam Chair, we have a quorum. Please note that the commission has one vacant seat. The next order of business is item two announcements. A, the next regularly scheduled meeting is scheduled on Tuesday, November 21st, 2023 at 1 p.m. B, announcement of prohibition of sound producing electronic devices during the meeting. Please be advised that the ringing of and use of cell phones, pagers, and similar sound-producing electronic devices are prohibited at this meeting. Please be advised that the chair may order the removal from the meeting room of any persons responsible for the ringing of or use of a cell phone, pager, or other similar sound-producing electronic device. C, announcement of public comment procedures. Please be advised, a member of the public has up to three minutes to make pu pertinent public comments on each agenda item unless the commission adopts a shorter period on any item. During each public comment period, members of the public attending the meeting in person will have an opportunity to provide their comments. It is strongly recommended that members of the public who wish to address the commission fill out a speaker card and submit the completed card to the commission secretary. Members of the public who are joining remotely will be instructed to follow the, uh, the instructions, which is to dial 415-655-0001. When prompted, enter the access code, which is 2660-866-5108. Press the pound sign and then the pound sign again to enter the call. When prompted, <coughs> press star 3 to submit your request to speak. When you dial star three, you will hear the following message. You have raised your hand to ask a question. Please wait to speak until the host calls on you. When you hear your line has been unmuted, this is your opportunity to provide your public comment. You will have three minutes. Please speak clearly and slowly. You will be placed back on mute once you are done speaking. You can stay on the line and continue to listen to the meeting, but you can also choose to hang up. If you are planning to provide a public comment on any items on today's agenda, it is recommended that you call the public comment line ahead of time to allow you to listen to the meeting live and to prevent you from experiencing delays. Today's meeting materials are available on our, on our website at sfocii.org under Commission, then the Public Meetings tab. The next order of business is item three, report on actions taken at a previous closed session meeting, if any. There are no reportable actions. The next order of business is item four, matters of unfinished business. There are no matters of unfinished business. Next order of business is item five, matters of new business consisting of consent and regular agenda. First is the consent agenda. Item 5A is approval of minutes, regular meeting of October 3. 2023. Madam Chair. 
Madam Secretary, do we have anyone from the public who would like to make a public comment on meeting notes? At this time, if there are any members of the public who wish to provide public comment on the minutes, should call 415-655-0001, enter access code 26608665108, followed by the pound sign, then the pound sign again to enter the call. Press star, then three to be placed in the queue. An automated voice will let you know when it is your turn. If you're already listening to us by phone and would like to provide comments on the minutes from October 3rd, please press star three if you would like to provide a comment. And would like to begin by inviting anyone who joined us in person. If you would like to provide comments on the minutes, you can um, line up. And switching over to the members of the public who joined us remotely, if you'd like to provide public comment on the minutes, you can press star three on your mobile devices. Okay, it looks like we do have three members. Hello there. Is this an appropriate uh, time to comment on the pickleball courts on um, the temporary transpay terminal area? That's actually, we're commenting on item um, 5A, which is for the minutes. Uh, that Thank item you. is. Sorry. That's okay. That's item five. Uh, that that will be item six, which is public comment on non-agenda items. So you can raise your hand at that time. Thank, Thank you. you. Next speaker. Yes. Good afternoon. Hello. Yes. Uh, I want to comment about the uh, the court soccer court in Crossing East Side. Yes, uh, so same with the other one. Um, that's also for item six. We're only going over the minutes okay. at this time. So um, if you could raise your hand okay. at that time. Thank you. And then. Um, Thank you. Next speaker. Okay. there are any other callers that would like to comment on the minutes, you can raise your hand at this time. Otherwise, um, yeah, it does not look like we have anyone else. Madam Chair, uh, we do not have any other members wishing to comment on the minutes. Seeing no other further public comments about the minutes, um, I'm now gonna turn it over to my fellow commissioners for any public, for any comments or um, questions. No comments, no questions. Do we have a motion? Yes. Madam Chair, I move that the minutes be accepted as read with any necessary corrections. And I second that. Madam Secretary, could you please call the vote? Thank you. <coughs> Commission members, please announce your vote for item 5A when I call your name. Commissioner Aquino. Yes. Commissioner Drew is absent. Vice Chair Scott. Yes. Chair Brackett. Yes. Madam Chair, the vote is three ayes, one absent. The motion carries. Madam Secretary, please call the next item. Next is the regular agenda. Item 5B is confirming the issuance of special tax refunding bonds for redevelopment agency of the city and county of San Francisco Community Facilities District Number 6, or Mission Bay South Public Improvements, 
in an aggregate principal amount not to exceed $130 million, approving a preliminary official statement and authorizing execution of a final official statement and approving other documents and actions properly relating thereto. Mission Bay South Redevelopment Project Area Discussion and Action Resolution Number 31-2023. Director Koslovsky. Thank you, Madam Secretary. Um, welcome, members of the public, commissioners. This item is to confirm the issuance of $130 million in Community Facilities District special tax refunding bonds for the CFD 6 in Mission Bay South Public Improvement for Mission Bay South Public Improvements. The Commission authorized this, initiating this refunding in September, in their September meeting. And today is just the confirmation step before we finally go to market. And at the estimate is an $11 million cost savings by doing this refunding. To present the details is John Daigle, our OCI's debt manager. Thank you. Good afternoon, Chair Brackett, members of the Commission, Director Kaslowski, Counselor. <clears throat> My name is John Daigle. I'm debt manager for uh, OCII. And the item uh, before you uh, is uh, regarding the final approval for the refunding bonds for the uh, Melarus District or Community Facilities District uh, uh, bonds for Mission Bay South. And Mr. Daigle, would you mind pulling your mic closer to your mouth so that we can clearly hear you, sir? What is this? Is this good? That's better. All right. Yes, sir. Thank you. Mm -hmm. okay. Thanks for your help, Jacinda. Sorry for the uh, delay. <clears throat> so the um, first, the enabling authority uh, for this action. These are issued uh, under the following statutory authority. First, there's the Melarus Act itself, uh, California Health and Safety Code, Section 34177.5A1A, and California Government Code, Article 11 of Chapter 3, Part 1, Division 2, uh, Title 5. 
The uh, purpose of the bonds is to refund uh, all of the outstanding Mission Bay uh, South uh, CFD number six bonds, and that includes uh, five series of bonds, 2005A, 2005B, 2013A, 2013B, and 2013C. We expect to get um, substantial debt service uh, savings from lower market rates. Also, um, we are moving um, from an unrated bond to an A minus underlying credit as well. So we'll get it, uh, better pricing because of that, clearly, uh, going from an unrated bond to, to an uh, investment grade bond. Uh, we also uh, were able to get a very um, aggressive bid uh, from AGM uh, for bond insurance, which brings our rating up to double A. And uh, we'll also have a, um, a partial uh, debt service uh, uh, reserve surety uh, covering 25% of the requirement, which means we'll basically won't have to issue those extra bonds to cash fund the entire debt service reserve. Uh, so this slide basically shows the uh, sources and uses uh, for, for the transaction. So the bond proceeds, the first number, 129, 245, um, is basically the face amount of the bonds. Uh, the second number is a premium. Uh, you get a premium when the bonds are priced uh, in such a way that the, the yield on the bonds is slightly higher than the market. So investors will pay more to get the higher yield. Um, and, and that's driven, um, you know, by the, um, uh, the demand. It's just simply more advantageous to price it the way the investors want, and they'll pay more. Essentially, we realize a, uh, a benefit by, by doing that. And then the other source is the uh, reserve fund from the uh, existing bonds, which is the $13.1 million. The proceeds will, be, uh, will go to the refunding uh, escrow deposit, uh, that money sits in escrow until such date as we call the bonds. Uh, the 13 bonds will be called uh, probably sometime in December. And the um, 05 bonds cannot be called until uh, February 1st. But at that time, all the, uh, <clears throat> the escrows will go away and all the old bonds will go away and we'll just have the, the new bonds. Uh, the cost of, uh, uh, so the debt service reserve fund, 12552 that actually will be smaller because that does not reflect the uh, insurance. So that would be about 25% smaller, roughly. These numbers are consistent with the memo, but they're prior to getting those insurance commitments. Um, and then the cost of issuance is the 503000 <clears throat> and the underwriter's discount is uh, 475000 The savings numbers, uh, again, these are, you know, perhaps a month old, uh, uh, but the conditions today, thanks to favorable market move, are actually somewhat better than this. Um, without having to update all the numbers, I just heard from uh, our underwriter that the uh, net present value of the savings, instead of 8.75%, is between, is probably closer to nine and a quarter percent. Um, because of this favorable market move, we're going to endeavor to get into the market with these bonds as soon as we can. Uh, and we're actually looking at Tuesday uh, for a pricing. 
So the uh, numbers above would all change uh, to more favorable. The uh, true interest costs would be lower than the 4.5 you see. Uh, the average annual savings would be slightly lower, um, and slightly higher, and the total savings um, would also be higher, um, as would the net present value. Yeah, uh, the OCI debt policy requires we have uh, net uh, present value savings of at least 3% of bond principal. So you can see that as, here we're almost uh, three times that uh, level of savings. And uh, based on the market today, we're higher than three times that amount. Uh, savings um, did decline, uh, but then they've gone back up. So they're actually better. They got worse, and now they're better. So that's why we want to strike while the iron's hot. Um, and of course, as I said, we want to get to the market as soon as we can to uh, lock in the savings that are currently available. <clears throat> so this action um, before you will uh, approve uh, the preliminary official statement. Uh, and this document provides detailed financial information about OCII and um, all the, um, uh, any, any risks or any, um, anything that affects the cash flows that are dedicated to repaying the bonds uh, in great detail. Um, this is written really with the uh, collaboration of the entire team, underwriters council, our disclosure council, our bond council, everybody is involved in this. And the only uh, motivation is to make it sure it's as complete and accurate as it can possibly be. Everyone has the same incentive here. Uh, and the other one is the uh, continuing disclosure certificate. Um, this obligates us to uh, maintain um, uh, current information in the marketplace regarding the uh, security of the bonds. Um, and all, all the bonds we do have this. Uh, so we have certain reporting requirements. And in this case, uh, there are obligations of the uh, developer um, as well. And oh, yes, also the, this action would authorize the execution of the final official statement. Um, basically, we can't put everything in the preliminary because we don't know the numbers yet, and we won't know until we price, uh, and then they will be uh, written into the final official statement, and this authorizes us to uh, uh, do that. So um, next steps. <clears throat> These are the steps that got us to this point, and then today we're um, commission is considering uh, this action. Um, Mid-November, which will be next Tuesday, we're uh, hoping to price the bonds and close by the end of November. And that um, concludes my presentation. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Thank you, Mr. Daigle, for your um, presentation. Um, Madam Secretary, can we please call for a public comment on this item? If there are any members of the public wishing to comment on item 5B, please um, call 415-655-0001, enter access code 2660-866-5108, followed by the pound sign, then the pound sign again, 
Press star then three to be placed in the queue. If you're already listening to us by phone and you would like to pro uh, provide comment on item 5B related to the bonds, please press star three if you would like to provide public comment. We'd like to begin by inviting those members of the public who are here in person. If you'd like to provide comment on this item, you can come up to the podium at this time. Is this the East Cat Fields comment or no? No, this is 5B. And if there are any members of the public remotely joining us and would like to provide comment on 5B at this time, please press star three. Okay, Madam Chair, it does not appear we have any members of the public wishing to comment on 5B. Hearing no further comments from the public, I'm now gonna close public comment and move over to my fellow commissioners, see if they have any comments, questions, for Mr. Daigle and the team. No questions, Madam Chair. Just thank you, Mr. Daigle, for a detailed presentation. And at this time, I uh, thank you, Mr. Daigle, for your presentation. I do not have any questions. Um, thank you for the presentation. Um, Mr. Daigle, I did have one quick question. Well, more of a comment than a question. Um, I know we've kind of been going over this and um, for our, in the previous commission meetings, and I just wanted to thank you and the team for the thorough job you guys did in ensuring that we got the best rating possible and that they we're looking at saving possibly $12 million for the public on these bonds moving forward and um, that we are at such a high rating considering everything that's fluctuating in the marketplace. So really excited to see this move forward and um, for the CFD bonds to be reissued. Um, so if my fellow commissioners, would you have a motion on item five? <coughs> yes, five Madam, yeah. <coughs> Madam Chair, I uh, move that we confirm the issuance of the special tax refunding bonds for redevelopment agency of the city and county of San Francisco, facilities district number six, Mission Bay South, public improvements in an aggregate principal amount not to exceed 130 million, approving a preliminary official statement and authorizing execution of a final official statement and approving other documents and actions properly relating thereto. Mission Bay South Redevelopment Project Area Discussion and Action Resolution Number 31-2023. I second. Madam Secretary, please call vote. Commission members, please announce your vote when I call your name. Commissioner Aquino? Yes. Commissioner Drew is absent. Vice Chair Scott? Aye. And Chair Brackett? Aye. Madam Chair, the vote is three ayes, one, I'm sorry, three ayes, one absent. The motion for 5B carries. Please call the next item, Madam Secretary. Next is agenda item number 5C, approving termination of an agency ground lease and transfer to the city and county of San Francisco city of its interest in the agency ground lease. That is between the successor agency to the redevelopment agency of the city and county of San Francisco or successor agency, and the city for the Mission Bay open space parcels. Uh, 
approving a joint community facilities agreement between the successor agency acting in its capacity as community facilities district or CFD number five and the city acting through the Recreation and Parks Department and Port of San Francisco for the funding of maintenance of the Mission Bay open space parcels subject to appropriation in the annual CFD budget, Mission Bay North and South redevelopment project areas, discussion and action resolution number 32-2023. Director Koslovsky. Thank you, Madam Secretary. Uh, commissioners, members of the public, uh, this item is ex executing a final <coughs> step in the long-term transfer of the Mission Bay Park maintenance responsibilities to the city through the rec parks uh, department and the port. The commission began this process in June of this year by approving an agreement with Rec Park and the port to begin maintenance of the Mission Bay Parks and this was initiated in 2015 with the adoption of the long-term property management plan. Here to explain this more is Mark Slutskin, the Deputy Director <coughs> for OCII. Good afternoon, Chair Brackett, Vice Chair Scott, Commissioner Aquino, Director Kozlowski, General Counsel Morales, Mark Slutskin, Deputy Director, and the item here today is an action item for the uh, termination of the Mission Bay ground lease with Rec Park and the Port, as well as the approval of a community facilities agreement with Rec Park and the Port, which will establish the funding and management of the open space after the ground lease is terminated. Today, we'll do a background of the Mission Bay open space, talk about community facilities districts five, dissolution and property management plan, the ground lease termination, the joint community facilities agreement, the maintenance and operation standards, community outreach, next steps, and then questions. <clears throat> when fully built out, Mission Bay open space will have 41.5 acres. This was uh, created by the redevelopment plan and the owner participation agreement, which expires in 2028. A community facilities district number five was established to fund the maintenance and operations of the open space, and that will expire in 2044. Both the city and the port are actually the owners of the land, and we have a ground lease with them, and that ground lease uh, was set to expire in 2046, but we're here today to uh, early termination. <clears throat> and as Director Kowalski mentioned, uh, in June, I was here before you to uh, establish the memorandum of agreements to allow Rec Park and the Port to manage the open space for six months while we wrapped up this agreement and the lease termination. Uh, happy to report that the community has been very happy with the management from Rec Park and the Port. So it's been a great success so far. And the recap here on the map is the open space in Mission Bay. The Blue, uh, light blue is a park that's under construction. The dark blue are parks that are built. The <clears throat> red is future parks. And then the hatched park areas are owned by the port and everything else is owned by the city. <clears throat> community facilities district number five is one of three community facility districts in Mission Bay. The other ones, CFD four, and CFD-6 are to build infrastructure, while CFD-5 is the one for maintenance and operations. CFD-5 will expire in 2044, and the funds can only be used in Mission Bay. Uh, for CFD-5, the annual assessment is only increased by the lesser of CPI, or 5.5%. 
so far, uh, prior to this current year, the annual assessments have been more than enough to pay for the annual operation costs. Uh, but in this current fiscal year, it was the first year where the costs were exceeding the annual assessment. Uh, it was due to adding more parks, uh, city labor, and also just general uh, inflation. We do have funds, a fund balance from CFD5, so that was adequate to not only cover this year's uh, shortfalls, but we project it will cover shortfalls through 2029. After that, it will be the responsibility of Rec Park and the port to fund any shortfalls. So the state-mandated dissolution of redevelopment agencies included the termination of the ground lease. A long-range property management plan was created that showed the framework and timeline for us to terminate our ground lease. Um, back in 2013, we had both CAC and commission hearings and approvals for the property management plan. The oversight board approved it in both November of 2013 as well as November of 2015 when DOF finally approved the plan. The ground lease for the last two years, we've been working with the real estate division, Rec Park, the port, and Public Works on putting together the ground lease termination as well as an agreement to continue funding beyond that. The master developer was required to give the consent for the terminating lease, which they gave last month. And while this lease will be terminated, OCI will still be responsible for the oversight and development of all the future parks. The Joint Community Facilities Agreement uh, establishes that OCII is still going to be the administrator of the CFD-5 and on an annual basis we will be coming before the Commission with the CFD-5 budget for your approval. Uh, the agreement also designates the parks that will be managed by Rec Park and the Port. The term of the agreement is 2044, which is the same time that the CFD-5 expires. And then also the agreement establishes the maintenance and operating standards of the parks. Here you have a map of the parks that are going to be managed by Rec Park. In blue are the existing parks, and in red are future parks. Here are the port parks that are all along the waterfront. In dark blue are the existing parks. In light blue is a park that is currently under construction, and in red is a future park. The operating standards will establish the management and general operations, the landscape maintenance, janitorial, security, and special events management for special events. Rec Park, their reservations will become part of their citywide system, and the port is enhancing their reservation systems. And this applies to all current and future <coughs> parks. To date, in the past two years, we've had nine meetings at the CAC to discuss this matter. The last one was in September, where the members unanimously approved the current actions before you. There's also been three CAC subcommittee committee meetings that were created in early 2022, and then we had the one meeting before the commission here in June. So last month, Port Commission approved the lease termination and the agreement. Uh, the Rec Park Commission approved the agreement, and last week, we legislation for the Board of Supervisors approval was submitted. So, or, so the next steps is to work with the Board of Supervisors to get their approval by the end of the year, 
And then there's some administrative stuff in 2024 for the street vacation and city transfer to Rec Park, which doesn't affect us, but that's all internal for them. So that is my presentation. With me today is from Rec Park or Antonio Guerra and Phoenix Alfaro, and then from the port is David Repre, in case you have any questions for us. Thank you so much for that presentation, Mark. Um, Commissioner, I mean, sorry, Madam Secretary, can you please call for public comment? At this time, if there are any members of the public who wishes to provide public comment on item 5C uh, related to um, the agency ground lease and transfer to the city, please call 415-655-0001, enter access code 2660-866-5108, followed by the pound sign, then the pound sign again to enter the call. Press star, then three, to be placed in the queue. If you are already listening to us by phone, please press star three if you would like to provide comment on this item, which is 5C. And we'd like to begin by inviting anyone in person who would like to provide comment on this item to line up um, by the podium or to come up to the podium at this time. And for any members of the public who joined us by phone, if you'd like to provide comment on 5C, you can press star three on your mobile devices. Madam Chair, it does not appear we have any members of the public wishing to comment on item 5C. Hearing no further comments from the public, we are now gonna close public comments and I'm going to um, refer over to my fellow commissioners for any questions, comments, or motions. Madam Chair, I have no questions. Thank you for your presentation. Yeah, I don't have any questions either. It's very straightforward. I thank you for your presentation. I do have a quick question. Um, just. I noticed that in some of our memo notes, there were some references to upgrades to irrigation systems in one of the parks. I was wanting to know if there was a little bit more information on that and if that also impacted the increases that we saw in the budget this year under CFD 5. Uh, a break in the irrigation system? Um, upgrades, not break, oh, oh. upgrades. Upgrades Sorry. to the irrigation system. Uh, no, they're just kind of, it's, it's always, I mean, a lot of upgrades are just uh, trying to be more water conserv conservancy and, and improve that. So that hopefully does reflect better water rates. Um, unfortunately, I know the water rates are going up high and they're affecting the parks as well. And Rec Park is dealing with that with the PUC. But that, those are the upgrades to improve uh, conservancy of water in our mm. rates. And then I also noticed that um, you were saying that um, we're um, due to kind of like the increased costs and the inflation of um, operating or managing the parks over the last year and moving forward, we're expected to potentially um, not have um, enough funds to continue to do the same type of maintenance past 2029, but that will be more of the responsibility of the port and park and rec. Um, are there any other things that OCII is going to be exploring during that time to um, 
like you just said, you know, trying to improve um, water conservancy to lower um, our costs and stuff like that? Are there any other um, potential ways that we're cost-saving measures that we're going to be making in the next couple years to potentially lengthen that time? Uh, well, I think we're, we're looking for efficiencies any way we can find them. Uh, there is also the potential as we um, start activating and becoming generate revenue for uh, special events and reservations. So we're, we're looking at all that, those different areas of what we can do. As we're looking, we still have parks yet to be built. So we are looking in the commons area, do we keep some of those generating activities still uh, as a permanent use that can allow to uh, bring in more funds to help offset shortfalls. And my final question is, will any future assessments um, impact that and or bring in additional money into the CFD as well? Uh, right now, that we've kind of maxed out the assessments. We do, uh, once the hotel was approved with the Warriors, um, they are required to contribute funds to help offset the costs that will be added on Bayfront Park. But that those assessments won't occur until they've actually started construction or pulled the permit on the hotel. So they have those opportunities. Um, there is potential uh, if there is other development that we do add a fee to help um, offset the increased wear and tear in the parks uh, due to more unexpected development. But otherwise, assessments right now are capped at how much we can increase the current assessments and we're at the max assessment for everything. It's all done by land. Um, and now that uh, 1450 Owens is under construction, everybody pays the, the higher non-vacant <coughs> land rate. Thank you so much for that. Um, do we have a motion for my fellow commissions on item 5C? <coughs> I motion. Oh, go ahead. Madam Chair, I move that we approve the termination of an agency ground lease and transfer of the city and county of San Francisco of its interest in the agency ground lease for the redevelopment discussion and actions resolution 32 2023 and I second madam secretary can you please call for vote certainly Commission members, please announce your vote for item 5C when I call your name. Commissioner Aquino? Yes. Commissioner Drew is absent. Vice Chair Scott? Aye. And Chair Brackett? Aye. Madam Chair, the vote is three ayes, one absent. The motion carries. Madam Secretary, please call the next item. Next is agenda item number 5D, authorizing a personal services contract with ICF Jones and Stokes, Inc., a Delaware corporation for environmental review services related to the development of affordable housing on blocks 4 East and 12 West in the Mission Bay South redevelopment project area in an amount not to exceed $440,817. No. Mission Bay South redevelopment project area discussion and action resolution number 33-2023. Director Koslovsky. Thank you, Madam Secretary, members of the public, commissioners. Um, this item is approving a contract for the environmental consultant firm ICF. It is in furtherance of maximizing the amount of affordable housing OCI can produce when it develops affordable <coughs> housing parcels in Mission Bay. 
Maximizing the amount of affordable housing in Mission Bay may require amendments to the Mission Bay plan documents to change, among other things, the design standards like height and thus would need to be analyzed in conformance with the California Environmental Quality Act, or CEQA. Here to explain this more is Jose Campos, the Manager of Planning and Design Review at OCII. Jose. Just one moment, Director Koslovsky. Um, Jay, would you mind pulling up uh, presentation 5D, please? Just one moment. Yeah, give me just a second. Thank you. Jay will show it on the screen here. Yep, that just Thank a you. second. You're welcome. Um, um, Jay, well, you can ask Jay to just advance the slides. Yes, that works. Thank you. Thank you, Executive Director Kosolovsky. Good afternoon. Afternoon, Commission Chair Brackett and Commissioners. My name is Jose Campos. I'm OCI's Manager of Planning and Design Review. I am presenting for your consideration the authorization of a personal services contract with ICF Jones and Stokes, Inc., or ICF, to provide environmental review services related to the development of affordable housing on blocks 4 East and 12 West in the Mission Bay South redevelopment project area. Next. My presentation will include a brief overview of remaining affordable housing opportunities in Mission Bay South, future actions related to affordable housing that would require environmental review, how staff assessed the environmental review services that will be needed, the environmental review selection process, how we comply with OCII contract compliance policies and procedures, and the contract's proposed scope and budget. Next. <clears throat> blocks 4 East and 12 West are the last two blocks to be developed in Mission Bay South as agency affordable housing parcels under the Mission Bay South Owner Participation Agreement or the South OPA. Over the 24 years that the Mission Bay South Redevelopment Plan has been in effect, OCII and SFRA have prioritized the delivery of affordable housing as quickly and efficiently as possible by maximizing development opportunities on agency affordable housing parcels in the project area. As a result, there are only 165 affordable units remaining under the South OPA, too low of a number to adequately cover the 2.65 acres of land dedicated to affordable housing on blocks 4 East and 12 West. So OCII staff conducted architectural and urban design test fits to determine an appropriate maximum build envelope 
that we can study for the two blocks. Staff coordinated its work with other departments, in particular the planning department, the mayor's office of housing, and the office of economic and workforce development. And we obtained consensus and agreement on these maximum build envelopes. OCI staff also consulted with the Mission Bay Citizens Advisory Committee and other Mission Bay community groups on these development scenarios. Next. Here are two snapshots of these maximum build envelopes that will be studied, and if they were to be built, would result in up to 538 units on Block 4 East and 442 units on Block 12 West. These massing diagrams were developed using urban design principles that considered the surrounding urban context, such as the nearby Mission Rock development, in the case of Block 4 East, and in the case of Block 12 West, sun access on the Mission Bay Channel Park and on surrounding development. The architectural test fits included a review of potential programming, such as for childcare and supportive uses, and the building's efficient, the building's efficient constructability. Please keep in mind that these are maximum build envelopes with towers that are 160 feet, 190 feet, and 240 feet in height. These towers may not be built at these heights, since to do so would require the next step of determining their financial feasibility, parcel by parcel, in the pre-development phase. However, staff has scoped the Environmental Review Services contract to study these maximum build envelopes because staff would be able to easily provide environmental coverage for smaller buildings with fewer units under the proposed environmental review scope of work, but we would not be able to provide environmental clearance of anything beyond the maximum build envelopes with, without substantial additional environmental review work. Next. The California Environmental Quality Act, or CEQA, requires the commission to make environmental review findings to approve changes to the Mission Bay redevelopment documents that would be needed to add affordable housing units in this way on these Mission Bay sites. These may include amendments that would increase the maximum heights allowed. In the case of 4 East, the changes would add a tower and modify the bulk and tower separation requirements to match those of the Mission Rock development across the street. And as we move closer to developing these sites, OCI will be back, OCI staff will be back at the commission on multiple occasions to approve pre-entitlement and entitlement documents for each new building and the ultimately recommended massing and designs. Next. The proposed ICF contract scope is based on a preliminary assessment of the environmental effects of these changes. Adding units will require studies related to the proposed higher densities of the land use, such as of the transportation, air quality, and noise effects. Changing the building massing by increasing heights or adding tower, a tower requires a review of the wind and shadow effects, as well as studies of the geology and soils. Next. The consultant selection process required OCII staff to comply with the CEQA requirements and with OCII's contracting policies. CEQA requires OCII as the lead agency to ensure a professional level of expertise in the preparation of environmental studies. To ensure this, OCII used the planning department's pre-approved panel of environmental review consultants.
We reached out to the two environmental review lead consultants on that panel with Mission Bay experience, including ICF. And ICF was the team that submitted a bid proposal based on the maximum build envelopes proposed to be studied. Next. In further consultations and negotiations with ICF and with the planning department, OCII worked on maximizing the participation of local and small business enterprises in the contract. As a result, the following SBEs are subcontractors to ICF. Adivant Consulting, partnering with LCW Consulting to study transportation effects. Prevision Design, to study the shadow effects. Indivis Consulting, to study the geotechnical effects. The total contract amount is $440,816. And before the application of the 10% contingency amount stipulated in the contract, the share of SBE participation stands at 31.2%. Next. After authorization of the contract, OCI staff's next steps will be working with the environmental review consultant team one, confirming the project description to be studied. Two, preparing a CEQA initial study checklist and the appropriate technical studies. Three, at that time, we would be able to determine the exact nature of the environmental document we will ultimately present to the commission and to the public. Four, the total budget amount is $440,816. And finally, five, the contract scope should be completed within approximately 16 months. That concludes my presentation. I and other members of the OCII staff team are here to answer any further questions. And Jessica Viramantes, representative of ICF, and Christian Diviz are in the audience as well as, and I believe uh, Luba Wozniski of Adivan and LCW Consulting is um, here remotely if you have questions for the consultant team. Thank you. Thank you so much for that thorough presentation, Mr. Campos. And Jamie, can you call for public comment, please? Certainly. At this time, if there are any members of the public who wish to provide public comment on item 5D, please um, call 415-655-0001, enter access code 2660-866-5108, followed by the pound sign, then the pound sign again to enter the call, then press star followed by three to be placed in the queue. If you are already listening to us by phone, please press star three on your mobile devices if you would like to provide comment on item 5D. And we'd like to um, invite anyone who joined us in person, if you would like to provide comments on this item, please come up to the podium at this time. And to the members who have joined us remotely, if you would like to provide public comment, again, you can press star three for, uh, again, public comment on item 5D at this time. Madam Chair, it does not appear we have any members of the public wishing to comment on this item. Seeing no further comments from the public, I will now close public comment and refer to my fellow commissioners for any questions, comments, or motions. I do. Thank you, Chair. Um, thank you so much for the presentation. I have a couple of questions, and um, I guess I will start with um, 
you mentioned your meeting with the Mission Bay community members. How, my question is, how are they responding to this project? And um, what questions or concerns do they have about building this project? The Mission Bay Citizens Advisory Committee um, approved or recommended approval of this consultant contract. And in doing so, uh, at the hearing or at the meeting in which they did that and in prior meetings, they reviewed and endorsed uh, the massing. I will leave it to Mark Slutskin or to Gretchen Heckman, perhaps to answer uh, more, perhaps more closely that question since I wasn't in attendance okay. at those meetings. Thank you. Good afternoon, Mark Sluskin, Deputy Director. Um, it was it's mixed. Some some people were concerned about the massing uh, in the height in the, with affordable housing, uh, but others are fully in support of increasing and uh, taking advantage of land um, that we have set aside for affordable housing. So a little of both. So um, I have a add on to that. So if they're concerned about the massing, is that just more housing or more buildings? Is that their concern? Yeah, more has housing and specifically more affordable housing where they've expressed concern. And leading to that affordable housing, are we saying the whole building will be affordable housing? We're currently, this is how we're analyzing it now, that it would be 100% affordable housing because these are parcels that have been designated as affordable housing sites. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what we're doing in this analysis. This is what we're looking at. So um, then I'm, my next question is, so are we... Will we make sure when we build these buildings, um, will we be mindful of once it's approved, um, building once you're building, making sure that it doesn't have the same issues that other parts of Mission Bay have? Um, because oh, walking yeah. in Mission Bay, you know, there's some of the streets that need some fixing, and so. Um, and it could be dangerous for our seniors and our kids and everyone else. So I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, oh yeah, with the, the sidewalk settlement, we're, every developer is responsible for that. And it, you know, so we are aware of the needs to properly design your building, to set back the building so you don't have the sidewalk uh, settlement issues with you know, the drop-offs at the building side. Okay, so. um, I think that's all I got right now. Thank you, okay. appreciate that. Yeah. So, Mark, with the 100% affordable housing, is there a plan for wraparound services to make sure families are safe? Yeah, we, we've definitely, in looking at this massing that we started looking at for years ago, we involved the affordable housing community <coughs> and to make sure that these heights and massing, uh, they were able to properly not only manage them, but provide the services that would be necessary uh, for the residents that would be living there. So, yes, we, we will make sure that these buildings are set up for success with having all the services and proper management necessary. And who keeps an eye on that to uh, ensure that it stays at a quality level? Well, we keep an eye on it, and then ultimately when it transfers over to the Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development, when the lease transfers, and then it's, they keep on, an eye on it as well. Thank you. I knew I had one more question and I didn't write it down. So um, my question is, um, in lieu with what um, Dr. Scott, Commissioner Dr. Scott just mentioned, um, will there be space for transitional youth focus on, I'm a big advocate for 
transitional youth, making sure they get taken care of. Um, will there be space for that, I, I, or is that considered affordable housing for all? Commissioner, if I may, through the chair. Um, later, under the director's report, there's a request for qualifications item that discusses more the housing program, which this environmental study is looking at, but this is just an action on the contract for the environmental review. So for the affordable housing discussion, if we could have that uh, later in the agenda, if you don't mind. Thanks. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Okay. Thank you. Um, I had more of a comment um, and just wanted to praise both the OCII staff and team for working on this for years, also with MOHCD, the Mayor's Office, and OEWD. Um, this piece of EIR that's being done is historic and actually something that's really needed in the city right now during a time when affordable housing is necessary and there's so many um, people who are in need of affordable places to stay. So in any ways in which OCII, we can maximize the number of units and get to those maximum heights, we should be doing that. And so I'm very proud of the work that the staff is doing to ensure that we're maximizing the amount of affordable housing we can have on these parcels and that you guys are working diligently with all the different departments, including planning, to make this come about and ensure that this happens so that we don't have any empty parcels in Mission Bay. So I just wanted to thank you guys for that work and to really um, excited to see these affordable housing um, parcels um, keep moving forward. Thank you. Do we have a motion from one of our fellow commissioners? Madam Chair, I move that we authorize a personal services contract with ICF Jones and Strokes, Stokes, Inc., a Delaware corporation for environmental <coughs> review services related to the development of affordable housing on blocks 4 East and 12 West in the Mission Bay South redevelopment project area in an amount not to exceed 440,817. Mission Bay South redevelopment project area discussion and action resolution number 33-2023. And I second that motion. Madam Secretary, can you please call the vote? Sure. Commission members, please announce your vote for item 5D when I call your name. Commissioner Aquino. Yes. Commissioner Drew is absent. Vice Chair Scott. Aye. Chair Brackett. Aye. Madam Chair, the vote is three ayes and one absent. The motion carries. Madam Secretary, please call the next item. Next is agenda item number 5E, workshop on Senate Bill number 593, authorizing OCII to finance the construction of replacement affordable housing units. Discussion. Director Koslovsky. Thank you, Madam Secretary. This item, commissioners, members of the public, is an update on the community conversation phase of the implementation of replacement housing. In October, we received input from the commission and the community on SB 593, Senate Bill, of the, which is called the Replacement Housing Bill. We also presented to and got input from the various citizens advisory committees, as well as the commission certificate of preference subcommittee and other stakeholders. Here to provide an update and to, as well as a set of recommendations to move forward with is Elizabeth Colomello, OCAI's Housing Project Program Manager. Elizabeth. Thank you, Director Kozlowski. Good afternoon, Chair Brackett, Vice Chair Scott, Commissioner Kino. I'm Elizabeth Colomello, Housing Program Manager, 
and I'm here to provide a workshop on SB 593 feedback and priorities, as Director Kozlowski mentioned. All right. As a reminder, SB 593 allows OCII to use a portion of tax increment financing to fund and develop up to 5,842 units destroyed and not replaced by the former redevelopment agency. The portion of tax increment we are were, we were allowed to use per this legislation with approval from the city via the annual budget process is what remains after funding our current enforceable obligations in Mission Bay, Trans Bay, and the Shipyard and Candlestick Point and after the tax increment pledge to schools. Our current, our current estimate is that the first funds would be available in late 2025 or 2026, and in order to fund the full 5,800 units, we expect to have several issuances over the following 30 plus years. This timeline assumes that we're able to leverage funding sources for affordable housing development, which would cover about 50% of project costs. This highlights the need for us to keep costs in check as much as possible and to maximize leveraging of other sources and projects with replacement housing funds so we can maintain the already long timeline that we've projected. Replacement housing units must be developed following affordable housing standards set forth in state law governing redevelopment agencies. So pursuant to that law, units may be built anywhere in San Francisco and must be restricted to and affordable to households at or below the income categories of people displaced and in no event higher than 120% of area median income or AMI. They must have long-term affordability restrictions, which based on our current practice will mean essentially in perpetuity, a term we call life of the project. And they, as I mentioned before, are in addition to our existing obligations to build housing in our project areas. I touched on the timeline for our initial bond issuance and the estimated length of time it could take to fund all of the units. Here's a little bit more detail about that. There are several factors that could impact the amount and the timing of the initial bond issuance, particularly in the current financial environment. Um, those are the estimated tax increment revenue or the property tax revenue, other city budget needs, particularly given the state of the city's budget currently, estimated housing project costs and timing, as well as the cost of the bond issuance itself. That's why one of our first next steps is to issue a solicitation for a financing team in early 2024. The financing team will include a fiscal consultant that has specialized knowledge of the revenue base supporting the bonds and provides a revenue ana analysis that determines OCII's bonding capacity pursuant to the legislation. This information will be critical in planning for the first projects to be funded under SB 593. We talked about this last time I was here and I want to touch on it again on the impact of the replacement housing legislation on certificate of preference or COP holders. Replacement housing funds will essentially expand the supply of affordable housing for which preference holders are eligible. As you know, OCII and MoCD currently provide preference holders with the first preference on 100% of units in OCII funded affordable housing. In 2022, as you know, the state legislature expanded the COP pool to include descendants. So COP holders, including descendants, will receive first preference for all replacement housing units. 
As you know, we've been increasing and improving our COP marketing and outreach efforts over the years, as well as our efforts to locate COP holders. We're planning to continue to do that, um, and we've already increased the, preference the pool of preference holders through the addition of descendants. This legislation will allow us to create even more housing opportunities that preference holders, including descendants, will have priority for. And we hope, given everything I've just mentioned, to see even more COP holders applying for housing. So, as you know, we went, um, we went to all three citizens advisories committee, committees over the last few months, um, and these are the dates that we went to those committees. And um, I just want to touch a bit on the um, input we got at those, at those committees. So at all three CACs, we heard support for adding affordable units to the project areas beyond our current obligations. CAC members were also supportive of ensuring that some SB 593s were focused on areas where the most displacement occurred, such as the Western Addition, as well as throughout the city if those projects met the goals of SB 593. There was support at all CACs for ensuring the needs of COP holders are met, and there was also input that if SB 593 funds were used for rehabilitation or replacement of units, which is allowed, that no displacement should occur and the incomes of those residents should be taken into account when developing the new housing. In the next few slides, I'll summarize some of the feedback we heard here at the commission and at the CAC meetings and from other state stakeholders, including the Council of Community Housing Organizations, known as CHUCHU, a nonprofit coalition of 22 community-based housing developers and tenant advocates. We heard from commission that we should explore alternative financing models for affordable housing. We're always looking for additional or, or alternative ways to finance or structure financing to our projects that minimizes OCI's subsidy and allows long-term affordability. We, are, we plan to continue to do that and to encourage our developer partners to do that on projects that receive um, or are considered for funding from this legislation. We have heard from Commission, our CACs, and CHUCHU that we should focus on lower AMI tiers. This is also something we heard in our 2017 COP holder survey. So we've done our best to maximize lower AMI tiers while maintaining project feasibility in all our recent projects. And all OCI-funded rental projects average 60% AMI and lower. So all of them include tiers below 50% AMI, and we um, try to include local and federal subsidies where available. Of the of the 1,822 <laughs> units and projects that were offered for development since dissolution, over 1,100 are at or below 50% AMI, and over 450 are at or below 30% AMI. This will continue to be a priority, and we'll look for ways to, to maximize those units below 50% AMI. We heard that replacement housing units should be set aside for preference holders. OCI provides priority in 100% of our units to COP holders, and that will be the same for replacement housing units. Given the enhanced outreach we have been, we've been doing and our efforts to locate COP holders, along with the descendant legislation, as I mentioned before, we're hoping to, to continue to see our applicant, COP applicants increase. We heard we should explore opportunities for COP-focused small sites programs. 
The Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development, or MOCD, currently operates a small sites program, or SSP, that supports local nonprofit sponsors with acquisition and preservation loans, stabilizing at-risk communities by converting five to 40 unit rent controlled properties to permanently affordable housing. As part of the planning process for the initial SB 593 bond issuances, OCII will collaborate with MOCD to determine if there are potential pipeline SSP projects that meet the goals of SB 593, particularly in areas where significant displacement occurred. If there are no such projects, OCII and MOCD staff will evaluate options to collaborate on a solicitation for such projects under the SSP. SB 593 only allows for funding for residential projects, so a similar program for businesses wouldn't be an eligible use of these funds. We've heard that ensuring small businesses and community-based developers can be competitive for OCII funding is important. This is reflected in OCII's policies and practices. We currently require nonprofit developers to be the lead or co-developers for our affordable projects. And all 100% of our affordable projects awarded since dissolution have included a nonprofit, community-based nonprofit, or community-based developers as part or all of the development team. OCII has robust small business and workforce goals, and our compliance staff work very closely with our development teams to help them achieve these goals. OCII's preference, <laughs> as highlighted in our RFPs and Qs, is for developers to select general contractors who are partnered with a San Francisco-based SBE joint venture partner. And OCII's SBE policy requires developers and general contractors to follow our good faith effort steps, which includes breaking up scopes of work to encourage and make opportunities for small, minority, and women-owned businesses. Over the years, affordable housing projects have demonstrated success, often exceeding the overall program goals. Our plan is to continue to enforce these policies and practices and to seek input from the local development community and other stakeholders for additional community-centered equitable development ideas. We have received input that down payment assistance and rental assistance programs should be available to all COP holders. Currently, MOCD connects COP applicants with move-in or down payment assistance or rental subsidies when available. We plan to continue to do this and to require incorporation of ongoing project-based rental or operating subsidies into rental projects when those funds are avail available. We'll also explore the possibility of including reserves for down payment or move-in assistance for applicants within project budgets to the extent that's feasible. We heard that MOCD should allow sworn affidavits as proof of status to obtain a COP when it cannot be established through OCII's records. Currently, MOCD does require documentation in those cases, but is flexible on what type of documentation can be used, such as San Francisco Unified School District pu public records and transcripts, birth certificates, San Francisco Police Department public records, and name change documents. OCII will work with MOCD on enhancing the process for establishing an applicant's qualifications for the preference. So one of the first things we want to do is to establish the broad categories that housing that is funded under this legislation could fall under. This will allow us to prioritize projects within those categories and begin work on seeking projects and delivering units. I do want to highlight that all projects will still go through our full public approval process, including commission approval and, where applicable, a CAC recommendation for approval. 
And I also want to highlight that we're in the very beginning of what will be a long process, so we're hoping these broad priorities will allow us to start identifying projects that will result in diverse opportunities for preference holders and that will give us a pipeline of options that we can pursue based on how much funding the initial bond amounts end up providing. So first, we can add units that are, as I've mentioned, that are in excess of our existing obligations to project areas where sites are available for development. For example, we have some sites, as we've been discussing, in Mission Bay and one in Hunters Point Shipyard where we have land available to build affordable housing, but not enough authority under our current enforceable obligations to fund those units. This approach has the benefit of avoiding acquisitions cost and using parcels contributed to OCII for affordable housing purposes. Also, we can get started with pre-development on these projects with existing funds without waiting for the first SB 593 bond issuance. Second, we can develop affordable housing in former redevelopment project areas, particularly those subject to urban renewal displacement. And third, we can develop affordable housing in other areas of the city in collaboration with MOCD. They also have a large pipeline of projects, many of which would meet the standards set in this legislation and meet the needs we know that our COP holders have from prior surveys. And they will add to the diversity of units available <laughs> under the legislation. Many of these projects also have the benefit of being able to get started with pre-development without waiting for the initial SB 593 bond issuance. And finally, in service of all of these priorities, we want to seek additional information from preference holders regarding housing needs and preferences through, for example, updated surveys to inform equity equity-focused best practices and COP program enhancements. We think this will be particularly helpful in understanding the needs of descendants who are newly eligible for this preference. So our next steps are, at an upcoming meeting, to adopt a replacement housing priorities policy consistent with what I've just outlined to work with our partners to begin to identify near-term projects that may be candidates for the initial bond issuances, and importantly, to solicit a bond financing team for the initial SB 593 issuance. So there's lots to come on this, and we appreciate all of your input so far and to come, and look forward to getting these units built. This concludes staff's presentation. I'm here along with Pam Sims, Senior Development Specialist, and Andrea Nelson, Affordable Housing Lottery Preference Program Manager from MOCD, and Maria Benjamin, Deputy Director at MOCD, to answer any questions. And I also just want to take a minute to acknowledge Dr. <coughs> Veronica Honeycutt, who's here in the audience. She's the chair of our Hunters Point Shipyard C CAC, and she worked very hard to get this legislation passed. So I wouldn't be here talking about this item with you without her efforts. So I just want to say thank you. That concludes my presentation. Madam Secretary, can you please call for public comment? At this time, if there are any members of the public who wish to provide a public comment on 5E, please uh, call 415-655-0001, enter access code 2660-866-5108, followed by the pound sign, then the pound sign again to enter the call, then press star 3 to be placed in the queue. If you're already listening to us by phone and would like to provide comment on item 5E, please press star 3 to be placed in the queue. And we'd like to begin inviting everyone who joined in person, if they'd like to provide comments, um, please queue up 
or get in line by the um, by the window. But I'll begin calling um, the members who provided a speaker card, starting with Dr. Veronica Honeycutt. Well, good afternoon, Executive Director Keslowski and Chair Brackett, and commissioners and General Counsel Morales. It's always good to see you. I'm grateful the commission is having a workshop on replacement housing, SB 593, and that OCII staff are doing outreach to the community to set priorities on how to implement the program. For replacement housing, SB 593, I helped lead the conversation in Sacramento, advocating to the state senate and assembly, along with Maddie Scott and Director Keslowski. We were at every hearing telling the legislators about our experience during the urban renewal times and the opportunity that the replacement housing program presented to help build our communities in San Francisco. I'm ecstatic that the legislation passed and appreciative of the leadership of Mayor London Breed, Senator Weiner, Chair Brackett, Director Kaslowski and General Counsel Morales for driving that whole effort. At our Hunters Point Shipyard Citizens Advisory Committee meeting, and by the way, I'm the chair of the CAC for the shipyard, so it'd be nice if you knew that. Uh, we had a good conversation with Lila Hussein and Elizabeth Colomello from OCII about what should be the replacement housing program priorities. I want to offer my and the CAC support for the replacement housing priorities of the current program areas, former project areas, and projects prioritized by the mayor. I know there are replacement housing opportunities in Mission Bay and Hunters Point Shipyard and in the Western Edition, and I think OCII should move on those as soon as you can. I see on your agenda also you have a new Mission Bay Developer RFQ, Affordable Housing Opportunity. And I'm pleased that development is happening. We need as much affordable housing now as soon as possible. Please keep moving forward on that RFQ. And I want to emphasize that with any replacement housing project, that we take care of our legacy folks and seniors. There are housing developments like Freedom West, where my dear friend Maddie Scott lives, where we want to protect those legacy residents during their housing transformation. Okay? And by, let me clarify this for you. When I say protect the legacy people, I mean all people in the household need and must be accommodated. We don't do this as was done in uh, another setting where a woman was on, I'll try to get through as, as quickly as I can, but I'm going to finish this. Uh, where this woman was on title, not title because that should be purchasing, on the lease. But the re other family members were not on the lease and they did not uh, honor the other members because they weren't, we're not having that. If they're a part of a legacy family, they need to be accommodated and taken care of. There are housing development, uh, developments like Freedom West, where my dear friend Maddie Scott lives, where we want to protect those legacy residents. 
uh, as I said, during that, that housing transformation. So I encourage the commission to approve the replacement housing priorities as soon as you can at your next meeting. And commissioners, let me say this to you. You must drop everything and focus on replacement housing, okay? Uh, because SB 593 has uh, built-in milestones. So it's gonna take a lot of your attention and a lot of your care, and I, I appreciate that, and I thank you for, for doing that. So finally, I'll say the CAC for the shipyard is committed, attentive, and want to see a successful and strategic implementation of SB 593, and I know that you will help to make that happen. Thank you very much. Thank you. Mr. James, Oscar James, please. Sorry. I'm just calling the speaker card, and then I'll proceed with the line. Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Oscar James. I'm a native resident of Hunters Point, and I served on joint housing before becoming a redevelopment employee. Uh, and was one of the ones with the joint housing that created the certificate of preference under the Honorable Mary Joseph Alioto and scrutinized Justin Herman for what he did in the Western Edition. Uh, I want to make sure that all the peoples from Hunters Point, Western Edition, Japantown, and also the Mission who are entitled to certificates whether they receive one, but it was in the households, be recognized. There's ways that you can go about recognizing people, such as she mentioned before, uh, school records, uh, you know, who their grandfathers, fathers, or whoever was in that house that was on the ownership. I also want not just to give uh, apartments to people, but home ownership. A lot of those people in Western Edition, also Hunters Point, and the Mission owned property that was taken from them uh, during this reconstruction. So when we're talking about moving people into these new units, we need to have home ownerships. And for a mechanism for this agency to come up with them to help, help them finance those houses. I've had put in when they were building the homes up in uh, Hunters Point. I went to uh, I did my <coughs> schematic drawing and what have you to build a home and went to Wells Fargo, and the only thing they would give me is $30,000 for a $60,000 unit. So I lost out on my, my uh, blueprints and uh, my down payment assistance that I brought the, uh, the land at that particular time. So the people who want to have home ownership that was re denied their property and the agency had taken it from them, you need to come up with a mechanism to help them buy or build their new homes. So uh, with that, I just want to make sure you recognize all of those areas that I spoke about, Japantown, uh, uh, Western Edition, where they had Waypack, which no longer have a Waypack with Miss Helen Rogers and Miss Essie Collins. But you have young peoples out here now that was in those communities, and they need to be recognized. And thank you on our subcommittee, Miss Brackett, for helping us get the certificate of preference to the grandkids. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. James. Next speaker, please. Hi, my name is Lynette Mackey, and I'm actually on both sides of the fence. I lived in Fillmore in the Western Edition. My grandparents, my mother owned a home, and my grandfather did too. 
they refused to sell, but as you know, redevelopment, they took the home from us. And funny, but New York Times did an article about it, and I was in that article. The house is over 1.9 million. They told us it was condemned, and we wouldn't be able to live there. But the city, when they took it, they took it and remodeled it, and now they rent it out. But it's over 1.9 million, so I feel like I'm entitled to something. My mother worked for General Hospital 31 years so that we'd have a home, and you guys took that. Then I became one of the certificate of preference investigators, contacting the people that the redevelopment list had. There's so many people that were unreachable that we still need to reach. There's so many people that have descendants because a lot of those people have passed away, but their kids are homeless. And it's sad that they're out there homeless, but yet San Francisco has their homes and other people are living in them and they're on the street homeless. And I'm with the group that want, I want to buy a house. I want you to give me back what you took and help me to get back into home ownership. I don't want to have to live in low income subsidized housing. Mm -hmm. That's not where I came from. Mm -hmm. That's not what they worked hard for. So I would like to say on both ends that I'm grateful for this opportunity to have these meetings here and hope that we do come to something where there's a lot of us here. There's a lot of people that it, 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 was, it affected. It affected a whole generation. I, I had a family. We had a family in two, three units. Now we're all separated. Some of them can't even afford to stay in San Francisco. That's what that did. So I'm hoping that we can find a way to bring a family back, bring families back. It might change the state of the city, you know, the mind, bringing us back into familyhood. I don't know. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> Next speaker. Yes, I came in support of Senate Bill number 593. And um, I want to say this is about reversal of gentrification. This is about repair. This is about saving families in the city. The young man that came here with his daughter, single father, he's from Plaza East, third generation San Franciscan. And his daughter's fourth generation. And we shouldn't mind even hearing his daughter cry because it's too many neighborhoods, I don't hear enough children laughing and crying. And now we know redevelopment or gentrification, I would say, has ravaged the black African-American community in many cities, in particular this city. Almost, this city almost has a legacy at that. But now it's reaching other families. It's reaching other San Franciscans. So this is about saving San Franciscans. <laughs> and I also want to say, I really feel like to really repair, we do need to move towards ownership because a lot of those families that were displaced, a lot of them were homeowners. And they went from Victorian homes to projects. Right, right, right. So the young man that came here, he's an entrepreneur. He needs a fresh start for his daughter. And San Francisco, the San Francisco aesthetic, yeah, it's about politics, it's about art. We're fashioned after Paris in New York. It's where my man Thor is from, right? But we're also about family. 
right? So 50 years from now, do we want to be a city where it's just visitors? I don't think we're set up like Las Vegas like that, and even they have residents, right? We want to be a city that still is a habitat for families. Halloween just passed, and it's a shame I didn't hear too many children trick or treat, right? So if we lose our family, our family life, we lose the San Francisco aesthetic, and we lose part of a rhyme and reason why people even want to come out here. So we have a chance to be on the right side of history, to be innovative, and let's, let's also transition this into home ownership. Yes, amen, amen. And I'd like to thank Dr. Dr. Uh, Honeycutt, and i also like to thank um, historian Oscar James. He's a historian of San Francisco history. He has San Francisco history you can't find in books. So, so this is about maintaining legacy and history and also restoration. Thank you all for hearing me. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker, please. Good afternoon, commissioners. Thank you so much. Um, I was very excited to hear uh, the progress that has been made thus far. My name is Susie Kagami. I'm one of the um, executive director leaders in San Francisco, Japantown, um, a new organization called COHO that we are really looking at amplifying culture and arts and narratives of our past and present to our younger generation to start looking at leadership. And so I'm very excited about what I heard today. Um, but it's very important um, to really look at Japantown and what happened. <coughs> Japantown was, uh, San Francisco in, 19, uh, in the 1890s was the first entry point for a lot of immigrants to land in America. And right now we are the largest and oldest Japantown, one of three only remaining in the nation. And so I really feel um, kind of the the pressure and the honor to look at leadership for our next generation. And I think this bill will definitely put us in a good position to hopefully welcome back our Japanese and Japanese Americans. We were displaced twice, World War II incarceration, as you know, in 1940s, and then urban renewal for redevelopment. And so because of that, right now in San Francisco, we are 1% Japanese in San Francisco. We are 5% ownership in our Japantown Cultural District. And we need to bring our Japanese and Japanese Americans back home. We need to have a belonging for them. We need to make them feel welcome. San Francisco is a vibrant city of community and culture, and we're going to die. Japantown's going to not survive. And this is an opportunity to put land ownership back into, um, into the hands of the folks that where our ancestors were, um, and also businesses. Uh, for redevelopment in the Western Edition, um, Japantown and uh, Western Edition, black and Japanese families, 4,700 families were displaced, 800 businesses were closed because of urban renewal. So we really feel the pressure to bring those folks back and to really revive Japantown so it lasts for our grandchildren's grandchildren. That's my mission, and I look upon you to help us make that happen. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker, please. Praise the Lord. I want to give honor to God and everybody up front. Um, just want to speak a little bit about the certificate of preference. So um, my husband, 
was awarded his certificate of preference. And it came in a great time because we were staying um, in a unit. It was a house, but the house was really old and the furniture was really old. So me and my kids was always sick. And it was hard for us to find a place at that time. So what, when the certificate of preference came, we was able to go first before everybody else to get pulled up front, you know, to be able to qualify for the place that they built over there in Viz Valley. And um, I'm just so grateful to God that that certificate of preference was there for us because it's hard to be, you know, on the waiting list forever. If y'all ever been on the waiting list, y'all know how it is. And if you ain't got all the right um, qualifications, then you're going to be on that waiting list and tell those people they, that do have the right qualifications go in front of you. But I just wanted to share a little bit about that. And I also want to share a little bit about um, MCI. Brother Majid, thing. <laughs> there we go. And they are doing their job. You know, they called us and made sure that our descendants know, well, my husband's descendants know that they also are qualified. And, you know, his nieces and nephews and all the people that came behind him because their parents died. So they was next in line, my husband and his brothers, and then all their kids. So it's just great to have this program to see that it really works and that it's, people are really doing their job and nobody's out here, you know, fretting or anything or giving no sugarcoat or anything. And they're just being real about the program and really trying to help people and their people, you know, um, because we all need help. I've been a native here myself for, uh, I think all my life. I was born in Oakland and raised here in San Francisco. I actually was um, displaced too from the Tenderloin. I grew up in the Tenderloin until I was about eight years old. And then I moved to Patrol Hill and spent the rest of my um, childhood there. But um, I'm just so grateful that this program has been created and that we will do more stuff and get more people in housing that's suitable for them. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Next speaker, please. Good afternoon, Director. Madam Chair, Doctor, and all commissioners and everyone present. My name is Dedria Smith, born on Navy Road Street here in San Francisco and raised in Bayview Hunters Point. I'm here today to ask the present commissioners and subcommittee to look into and make it happen for the COP names that was lost that need to be found for the COP certificate. So many who qualify for the COP names have mysteriously disappeared. We are asking that instead of denying them, be considerate, have compassion, and research their information. And come to the community, come to the organizations, come to our churches to help resolve this matter. We know who's who. We also like to thank the subcommittee, Oscar James, and the entire committee for our grandchildren now qualifying for the COP. Thank you also, Dr. Honeycutt. Thank you, and my name again is Dedria Smith. Thank you. Thank you, Dedria. Yes. Next speaker. Hello, commissioners. Um, my name is Cheryl Shanks. I'm a community organizer, activist, founder of a soul food restaurant. Um, I'm a native San Franciscan. Uh, not only am I a native, my mom and my grandmother have been here, my grandmother. So actually, I'm 
My grandma's not a native, but my mom, and uh, I am, so I think I'm second generation here. My grandmother owned a Victorian house at one time, um, and actually a couple of houses in the Fillmore. Um, and so what's happening is I don't have any family left here in San Francisco because they could not afford to live here. The black community has gone through uh, having the Fillmore bulldoze, which is one of our uh, thriving, it was a thrive for the black people as we all know that. Uh, the mission the mission district is also being pushed out, the natives there. I spent a lot of time in the mission district growing up. And this is a tragedy for culture here and diversity here in San Francisco. What are we doing? A lot of it has to do with gentrification. So we know that's going on, and we know that's pushed a lot of people of color out. Almost all the blacks have been pushed out because of gentrification and racism. And that is prevalent, and it's still going on. So I urge you to please pass 598. Uh, it, 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 if that not passed, I don't know how much longer people, 93, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, uh, passes please, I correct that. Um, so I urge you please so I can bring back my family to San Francisco. I have nieces and nephews who are, were pushed out, who now actually are at the age where they're looking for housing so it would be great if they could come back as people trying to buy a house. And um, because at this point they're feeling like they cannot afford to come back here and it's almost impossible. So please, I urge you to bring my family back here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If there are any other members of the public in person who'd like to provide comments for this item, um, you can come up. Okay, we're going to switch over to our remote participants. We do have a caller, and any other members who have called in and would like to provide comment on item 5E, please press star 3 on your mobile devices. Thank you, Dr. Honeycutt and team. Hello, my name is Dr. Melody Downey-Huff, Executive Director of Change SF Agency. Uh, growth and empowerment through health education, entrepreneurship, and development. I am native of San Francisco, Fillmore, West Virginia, displaced and displeased. Affordable housing means that housing is affordable. We have whole families living in a 700 square foot box is not a home, it is a box. Paying $3,500 to $4,500 rent is not affordable for seniors or transit youth. Affordable home ownership does not mean $799,000 with the $1,500 X-Play fees. That's ridiculous. Hyper-segregated areas are not a fix. Everyone on top of one another is not a house. It is a project. Place the homes with homes. Along with the Japanese, the Jewish, and the Chinese community, even some of American groups, many of which receive some kind of reparations. African Americans have received nothing. Stop selling our beautiful city to developers. Make it fair. Make it right. Thank you. 
Thank you. If there are no other callers, um, Madam Chair, it does not appear we have any other members wishing to comment on this item. Seeing no further public comments, I'm now going to close public comments and open it up to my fellow commissioners. Um, sure, I'll speak. Okay. Um, first of all, um, start from the top. Thank you, um, Elizabeth and the team for your presentation. I recognize your hard work, all of you, um, and I'm, I thank you for that. Um, my a couple things you mentioned in your presentation that you do um, communicate with the community and I just want to encourage to continue that relationship and communication with the community because they matter. Um, and then the other thing is, um, so thank you for that presentation. I, I don't have specific questions for you at this time. I just want to acknowledge your work. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, to the first speaker, I do apologize <laughs> with your first name. I know you're the president of the Neighborhood Association. Um, yeah, I just want to acknowledge you for your work. Amazing presentation. Uh, thank you for your words. They matter. Um, I have a quite a bit of things. I love the energy that's in this room. I'm just overwhelmed with uh, being a San Franciscan native myself, so I hear you. Um, and um, that's just want you to know I hear you all. And I thank you all for stepping up and speaking out. Thank you. And again, I just ditto what our Commissioner Aquino said. Your voices matter. You matter. Your families matter. Your children matter. Our seniors matter. I'm a native, been here since the 40s. I've watched and lived the transitions. A part of displacement, redevelopment, and all of the different things that have taken away from and um, just uh, promises not kept, so I do understand, I hear you. I can only say this also, that we are doing some work. We've come a long ways, and much has been done. And we've dig just did some deeper digging, but hearing you, we still have a ways to go, and we have to acknowledge that. We have a ways to go and much more to do. And so as we've heard you and we hear you and understand you and a part of knowing what it is that's going on, we are with watching, listening, and doing all that we can and being in the community and coming to you and asking for more suggestions. Because what we know is all we know, but all we know is never all there is to know. And so you're important, you count. Look for us, call us, invite us, and we are with you. God bless you all, and thank you so much for your comments.
I also want to thank um, Elizabeth Comello and the team, as well as Maria Benjamin and Pam Sims, who are also here from MOHCD, for their work on COP to continue to improve the program year after year. I know us as commissioners and past commissioners, we're always pushing to innovate the program to make it better than what it was before. And really, this SB 593 bill gives us an opportunity to really turn things on its head and really not kind of take off the chains um, that we were kind of prohibited from doing a lot of things in the past and to really um, do more. Um, and I just wanted to state that um, in just the Western edition alone, in terms of the, what the impact of redevelopment had at that time, um, was the displacement of 10,000 to 15,000 families and over 868 businesses. Those businesses actually um, owned their property. Um, since then, those properties have been replaced with commercial developments who now rent out the business spaces to local businesses. And during COVID, some of the communities that was most impacted by um, the new type of um, retail offering for community businesses was Japantown. We almost lost the oldest Japantown during COVID because a lot of the small businesses could not afford to keep maintaining paying their rent. Um, the developer was an international owner management. And at that time, a lot of the small businesses were in arrears almost two years of their businesses. Um, luckily, some of them were able to be saved, but many of them have closed down. Um, and these are still current day harms that are still happening due to actions that happened through the redevelopment agency almost 60-something years ago. So um, as we move forward, and we really want to be thoughtful of how we can um, do development in a way that we actually sustain people long term. Um, and that we're also mindful that the businesses were what also made these communities thrive. Um, business owners lived in the community that they actually provided services for their neighbors. That's how they were able to pay for their kids to get education. They were able to pay for their kids to go to college. And the equity in their homes were used to um, provide an opportunity for future generations. And so in most of our projects now, I'm hearing from the community, they want that sense of home ownership back. Um, that simply renting is not doing enough because it builds no future equity, no generational wealth, or no real um, opportunity to um, preserve their communities. Um, so I just wanted to acknowledge that. Um, I also want to acknowledge that um, also the Filipino community in Soma was also impacted in the same way as well as Hunters Point and the Mission District. And so as we're talking about this, we really want to talk about the harms that happen collectively to numerous people throughout this city. And as we work together to kind of define what this policy looks like, um, I'm thankful for Executive Director Klosowski and also Jim our general counsel, Jim Morales, to really dig deep with Elizabeth Camello to try and figure out how we can incorporate as many of the feedback from community that we can. And there will be some that we can do now, but there's some that we're still going to need community support from to push through. There's a lot of things that need to change. There's a lot of things that um, are going to be little nuances with the program, so asking that the community bear with us, but also continue to keep fighting and keep making sure that your voice is heard. Um, I also wanted to just make a few comments. I know um, in thinking about um, like the comments around rec recognizing residents of households who were not on the lease, 
I know that is more of an issue that we're probably going to have to figure out um, a longer strategy with in cooperation with MOHCD. So I'd also invite members of the community who would also like to be part of the COP um, current, our current um, working group to feel free to send an email to our commission um, if you'd like to be part of that, if, even if it's just to listen in on the meetings or to provide feedback um, so that we can have more voices at the table. Um, we would love to have that type of feedback ongoing. Um, as you heard, this is going to be 30 years in the making of the affordable housing of these 6,000 units, so we are going to need those voices to be consistent. Um, the other thing I'd like to say is that, um, although I mentioned what happened in the Western Edition, we also have to recognize that there have been potentially about three generations in transfer that has happened since the initial displacement, which means that we're not looking at just 10,000 families that were displaced. We're now looking at potentially 60,000 people. And even though we did work um, to get the law changed and we did do a lot of great work in terms of finding people, we were only able to find about 1,000 to 1,500 people. So we are going to need to make a larger investment and look at different strategies to really find those 60,000 people because they do deserve a right to know that they can come back to San Francisco. So I think um, I really want that to be a huge priority um, for OCII upcoming in 2024 is to locate all COP holders and to do everything we can, including using genealogy and whatever other methods we can to quickly find people in an um, efficient manner. And so lastly, my last um, comment is really around... Um, kind of um, us outstretching, and I, I'm not sure, Elizabeth, if you might be able to answer this question for me. Um, I know a lot of the terms were more general, but just in terms of specifics, I know there were two things that I mentioned in the last meeting, or maybe um, I didn't, but I'll just mention it again. Um, there was a historical certificate of profession. Um, there was a developer's certificate of preference that used to exist, and I'm not sure if um, that's something that you guys can research and find out how that was administered in the past and what we can do to bring that program back so that COP holders can actually develop their own units in some of these kind of small site projects that may be available in the future. Um, also, um, co-op housing was a measure of affordable housing that is also used as a way to also get equity in housing. Maybe it's not giving someone the opportunity, you know, to get market rate um, housing. You know, market rate housing is probably around 800,000 now in San Francisco and above. But co-op housing is also another effective way that a lot of historically disadvantaged communities have been able to maintain themselves. Um, keep this, maintain their units, gain some equity, and also pass that on to their children. Um, and so I'd like for OCII to explore that as, as an option as much as possible. Um, and that is all my comments for today. And just wanted to say thank you, everyone, for your comments and really looking forward to this next chapter of work that we have before us. Um, Madam S um, Secretary, can we quickly take a four-minute recess just to use? Sure.
Uh, let's do a recess before we call the next item. Okay. TV, San Francisco Government Television.
whenever you're ready. Um, it is now 3.02 p.m. and we're resuming the Commission on Community Investment and Infrastructure meeting uh, for November 7th, 2023. Um, we just finished up item 5E on the agenda. And um, at this time, could I have Madam Secretary call the next item? Yes, uh, the next order of business is item six, which is public comment on non-agenda items. Madam Chair. Each um, comment on public comment will have two minutes. Um, this is for all of um, anyone who would like to make a comment on any matter that wasn't on the agenda today. I know we had a couple members who um, had called in earlier um, about a specific item around the parks, and this would be the time that you could make that public comment. So, Madam Secretary, please call. Um, at this time, uh, members of the public who wish to provide public comment on non-agenda items, please call 415-655-0001, enter access code 2660-866-5108, followed by the pound sign, then the pound sign again to enter the call. Please um, press star, then three to be placed in the queue. If you are already listening to us by phone, please press star three on your mobile phones if you would like to provide a comment. And we will get started with members of the public who joined us in person and who have provided speaker cards first. And then I will ask everyone else to queue up at a later time um, by the window, please. So we'll start with um, Mr. James, since he was already standing up over there. <laughs> Thank you, Oscar James, again. My senior moments always come into play. I just want to thank Dr. Honeycutt for the work she's done in uh, making sure we got the, uh, the stipends to do the, the new homes. She picked up the torch from joint housing with the Hunters Point Shipyard Advisory and the Advisory Committee. I also want to say a couple of things. One is Dr. Doris, excuse me, Ms. Doris Vincent, who's on the CAC, and who's been very instrumental in our community in the 50s and on up to the present. She just, I was at the, uh, the last CAC meeting, and she's stepping down on the CAC, and she's looking for some young person to come in and pick up her torch and, uh, and, do, and do that. And also, uh, working with the agency, Ms. Helen Sauce, has passed. I don't know if the agency know that or not. And I would like for the agency to close in her honor. She was a terrific person who worked for the agency, and she made sure that all of the communities were served and served properly. So I would like for this agency to close in her honor today. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. James. And if I could ask the members who provided cards to line up in this following order, David Underhill, Shazad Khan, Katina Johnson, Mark Smith, so if you could line up in order by the window, please. And starting with David Underhill. Hi, I'm David Underhill. I live in the East Cut, and I'm a frequent beneficiary of the crossing space that's been organized there. Uh, I'm really thankful for the significant impact it's made on, on my time in the East Cut and many of my fellow community members. Uh, like others here, I was lucky today to be able to take some time off work to talk a little bit about my experience. Uh, of course, there are many more of us who can't take that time off, and 
I hope you'll be able to learn about their perspectives as well. Every day, I see many people at the crossing, and they're from many different backgrounds, and they come to enjoy the current space. And they mingle, they make new friends. Uh, I'm actually one of those lucky people. The first time I came to this space, uh, my wife and I, we, we made new friends uh, right away. And it's, uh, it's been really special. We're regulars now. Uh, we come multiple times uh, every week to catch up with uh, neighborhood friends, to play, to eat, support local businesses, uh, and attend events like the, the farmer's market that's held there. Uh, when we have family and friends, uh, we bring them too. It's the, it's the real highlight of when people come to, to our neighborhood. And I'm, I'm a little worried that this heart of our neighborhood is going to disappear without your help. I know that OCII has worked hard to design a new park, and I appreciate those efforts. Uh, I ask that you all please uh, continue to be open about the possibilities for this space. Please come after work or on the weekend and interact uh, with the community there and have a face-to-face -face conversation. And I think uh, if you live near the neighborhood, you'll find that you want to come back just for fun again and again and again. Uh, I hope you can pause uh, what is currently planned. Please pause and find inspiration in our current space. Please be heroes and nurture the blueprint that our current space offers. That's really my main hope today, is that you'll be able to pause and generously spend more time to understand the current space and why it inspires the community uh, so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. And uh, Shazar? Oh. Sorry, I wrote a three-minute version of this, but I'll give you the two-minute version. <laughs> um, my name's Katina Johnson. I lasted before you all in April 2019 and talked about the <laughs> success that you all have fostered in building housing in the Trans Bay Project area. I also talked about some essential neighborhood elements that were missing, namely an affordable grocery store, parks, and gathering places. Four years later, I'm here to talk to you again about an essential element in the neighborhood that has been successful, and that's the crossing at East Cat. Uh, and I'm here to ask you to be the ones who will allow that success to continue. I know that this ask comes at a cost. Uh, the work that the OCIA staff and Block 3 Park Design Team have, been, have put in for several years will need to be modified, and I understand that frustration and disappointment. But I want to ask everyone, both our neighbors and city officials, to take a step back, big picture, and think of this as an opportunity. Uh, as someone who spent a long four years of my life working with neighbors and city officials to stop the delay in Guy Place Park, someone who was on the Art Commission selection panel for Block 3, and a 10-year member of the Trans Bay CAC, my support might seem like an odd stance, but I too had to take a step back and look at this as an opportunity. Because of the crossing, we've learned that we need more active spaces for children, neighbors, office workers, and seniors. Quick story, I'll tell you, one Saturday morning I was doing my usual and heading over to the Ferry Building Farmer's Market. Instead, I wound up riding a horse. Uh, after the June 10th parade, a group of cowboys were passing through the neighborhood. They saw the buzz at the crossing and decided to offer free horseback rides. Mm -hmm. So it was random. But wow, <laughs> so I hope you all will help us keep the neighborhood's wonderful random vitality going uh, by keeping the crossing open and adding more active spaces. Thank you. Thank you.
Can I also ask Mark Smith, Hugo Santana, Nancy Meyer, and Chris Meyer to queue up? And next speaker is Shazad. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, my name is Shazad Khan. I, I do live in the cross in uh, East Cut. Uh, I'm going to speak in, in favor of East Cut, uh, what Katina said. Uh, OCI has done a great job at finding us spaces over the four years. And, and um, uh, what we've done in the last year or so has created a heartbeat of East Cut which is our East Cut Crossing. Um, we talk about diversity and inclusion. I want to hit that point for a minute. Diversity is great. We got, you'll see a lot of diversity in this room. But inclusion is the most important thing. East Cut has become a high-rise city with now affordable housing coming in. But what we have built there, where everybody comes to get together, to participate, to I'm going to point out a pickleball and, and soccer and, and basketball. I've met so many of my neighbors which I would not have met otherwise. And a lot of times you're just stuck behind computers all day long. And this has given us the opportunity to know every one of these people that are still left sitting here. These are all people in support of, 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 of the community. So if I may request you guys to please take a look at the design that is there. Please make it inclusive of the vicious post-COVID that, uh, that, that, and then please put a pause on it to understand what, what is bringing this community together, what is ticking this heart, and we want it to grow. We want community, people to get out of their rooms behind computers and come down and sit. Please give us a, a chance and a moment to, to, to pause and, 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 and rethink the design. We love the design, we want it to be more inclusive. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hello. I want to be respectful of everyone's time, so I'm not going to repeat everything that has been said. Um, but my girlfriend and me moved to the East Cut two years ago. To be honest, it was a little bit boring, so we discussed moving out. But then the pickleball courts came, um, soccer courts. I'm a huge soccer fan. I'm from the Netherlands, of course. Um, and it really brought some activity to the little bit boring normal East Cut, to be honest. Uh, yeah, that's how it is, guys. <laughs> um, with some businesses, boba, um, beers, you can just do something now where normally you would have to go from East Cut to a North Beach, Ferry Building is mentioned, maybe Marina, all those things. Now it is way closer to house which is, makes it way easier, especially now with the daylight savings again ending, to go after work for a quick thing. And yeah, that's my point. So please revisit the plans for the park. Thank you. Thank you. <coughs> Hugo Santana. Hey, good afternoon. Uh, my name is Hugo Santana, and um, I actually been with the, involved in the crossing from the beginning. Um, I actually operate a business right across the street at 221 Main. And I got involved because it was pitched to me as a community development space. And it actually has surpassed my expectations as to what it could be. Um, you actually go there now and you have all walks of life there from any age enjoying the space even on a Monday afternoon. Uh, even though downtown still has it revitalized as far as business goes, the community seems to have found a place to gather. And I think uh, changing what we have instead of evolving with what we've kind of created as a community there. 
um, will be a detriment to the work that's happened over the past year that the East Cut CBD has been involved in. OCII has also helped a lot with getting to this point. Um, but I think that whatever would be replacing the current situation we have there at the crossing will not get the same sort of effect that we have now as far as community engagement, events, and just revitalizing the area uh, as far as small businesses and just local communities coming together. So thank you guys. Thank you. Nancy Meyer. It's been a long and wonderful afternoon. I've been in these cuts since I think 2016 as a renter and an owner. I've watched what happened as the Transbay Terminal that was just an empty you know, lot has now turned into this vital area. But I've also been a longtime supporter of the under ramp park with its new name. And I think we need to put full energy to get that park built keep the crossing as it is with all the wonderful things you're hearing from everybody, and then see what is the future for us. Because what's made this park so good is it's nimble, it's temporary, it's changes. When it, something isn't working, you can get rid of it and take the next thing on, and it is a real grassroots effort so that despite all the wonderful outreach meetings that I have been to for years and years on everything, the actual on-the-ground outreach that we're seeing at the crossing is information that I think you will appreciate and we appreciate as neighbors to see what will work and what can keep working. So the request for a pause is just that. Keep what's going during the construction of um, Lot 3 and then see where we are and make sure that the, these, the under-ramp park gets built. Thank you. Thank you. Chris Meyer. Hi, thanks for giving me time to say some comments. I'm Chris Meyer. I've been living in the East Cut area uh, right before COVID, and I'm currently uh, on the board of the Homeowners Association at 181 Fremont. So I'm vitally concerned with the community and helping it grow. Since I've lived there, the crossing, which didn't exist, was the thing you walked across, literally crossing, to get to Woodland's grocery store or the Lumen or something like that. Now it's a hotbed of activity. Little kids running around, the vendors that are there, it's working. And it reminded me of a story I learned. I used to teach at USC in the public administration school, so I know how hard these projects are, and I empathize with the planning that was done. I left USC and went to work for a large multinational, and my job was to help finish the construction of a plant that would make huge amount of plastic chemicals, the base chemicals uh, that make plastics. And I arrived just as the project manager was leaving and the plant manager was taking over. And the plant manager said to the project manager, you can leave, but I'm not signing off on the project for six months. And I looked at him, I was confused, why? He says, because you want to pave the walkways for the technicians, and I don't want you to do that. Further confused, why don't you want them to do that? Because what I want to do is I want to operate the plant for six months 
and then I want you to pave their footsteps. Because that's where people are going to walk. What's happened at the crossing, inadvertently, not by plans, is something temporary, as the last speaker just said, popped up, and it's working. It's not a case if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's maybe even improve it, look forward. And I looked back on the records. The original park was this concept came in the middle of COVID when we couldn't be near anybody. Pickleballer couldn't pick up a pickleball because we we're concerned of getting COVID. So the world changes. And sometimes it changes in a nice, special way. So I'd encourage you all to please pave the footsteps, keep the crossing as it is, perhaps even make it better over time. But it's an active area with a blend of young pickleballers and an old one. <laughs> as well as people and kids coming by. It's Thank working. You. Thank you, Mr. Thank you. Myers. Thank you. Next speaker. And if everyone else can queue up five at a time, if there's any other speakers. Good afternoon. Thank you very much, commissioners, for the opportunity to express my perspectives. My name is Nina Del Prado, and my husband and I have had the privilege of being resident owners in the East Cut for the last three years. Prior to living in the East Cut, I lived in Marin County for 30 years. Much to my profound surprise and delight, after only three years, I'm now experiencing a sense of community and neighborhood that I never felt in the 30 years in Marin. I believe that this sense of community has been the organic result of the vibrant interactive aspects of the East Cut Crossing, which I relish daily, by the way. Participating in pickleball, enjoying food and libations from our local business owners, the various pop-ups, engaging in spontaneous conversation with neighbors walking their dogs, all of these contribute to this now magical space. As the East Cut Crossing now represents the heartbeat and gathering spot of our neighborhood, the thought of it no longer existing is deeply disheartening. Thank you for hearing and witnessing what this space has become to all of us. Thank you for your time. Thank, Thank you. you. Chair Brackett, commissioners, Director Kozlowski, uh, thank you very much for the opportunity to share some about the positive impact of the crossing and how uh, it would adversely affect the community that is being built if it were to be ended before other park space were developed in the neighborhood. I'm Andrew Robinson, the Executive Director of the East Cut Community Benefit District. Uh, as you're hearing and have seen here today, the crossing has really tapped into an essential community need. Uh, it's providing fitness and recreation space, safe opportunities for children to play soccer, ride a bike, play in a jumpy house. It's been a place where we celebrated actually Mercy Housing's fifth anniversary, the Natalie Good Commons <coughs> fifth anniversary party last summer, where uh, there's been the men's and women's World Cup viewing parties, uh, our own 49ers playoff run last season. We've showing some 49ers games this year as well. Um, but it's, that's just a piece of it. Over the last three months, we've had dog days of summer there, where dog owners and their pets come out 
the survey data from those events have shown overwhelmingly they are East Cut residents or coming from Mission Bay. They are walking to be part of this community. Um, we've hosted farmers markets, classic car shows, comedy nights, dance lessons, cultural events, including Holy Festival of Colors, Lunar New Year, and much, much more. <coughs> and then there are the pickleball courts. Uh, the amazing community and positive energy that has sprung up around them has been a wonderful addition to the project. Uh, the crossing is really a shining example of how converting blight parcels into programmed open space can foster personal connections and show the true character of San Francisco, one of vibrancy, inclusion, and grassroots ingenuity. And it's because of OCII that we're doing this, and we ask you to partner with us to invest resources and energy into building Under Ramp Park, preserving the crossing, and we revisit the crossing when the time is right. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Uh, hello, I'm Michael Santone, and I came to San Francisco about five and a half years ago, and uh, it was pretty cool. It was a culture of hope and energy, uh, hustle. Uh, then the pandemic happened, and I saw sadness and suffering and businesses going out of business and a culture of isolation. Uh, then this East Cut Crossing was built and I saw people getting together and having joy and laughing and building friendships. And I think that this area desperately needs that because we've been on a losing streak. If we're honest with ourselves, the soul of the city is being sucked out. And uh, I think uh, we're fighting for our community here. So don't get rid of this. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, my name is Emily Jednak. I've been a San Francisco resident for six years, and I think I offer a unique perspective because I'm someone who actually commutes into downtown um, for work as well as for the community that the Crossing at East Cut gives me. I'm the co-lead of my company's pickleball club, so being on the pickleball courts, we've met residents of the East Cut. We've also met a lot of other employees of companies downtown that are using those courts for community employee collaboration and activities. Um, I would like the committee to reconsider why the space can't be shared between the current plan of nature and trees with keeping a community space, especially when we have Salesforce Park, which is a very natural uh, park directly next to the crossing at East Cut. Um, I think keeping the crossing at East Cut with the food and alcohol vendors is really important to revitalizing downtown. Employees are coming in um, and spending their lunch breaks at the crossing, spending time after work at the crossing. Um, and the last thing I just want to mention, remind everyone too, is that um, the, the area generates revenue, not just from the vendors, but from the ability to reserve pickleball courts. So I've seen many, many companies reserving those courts for corporate events. Um, my company plans to in the coming months. So having a community space allows, allows the, the space to start to pay for itself. Thanks.
Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Crystal Zhang. Um, I'm a resident of East Cap. And I echo a lot of the things that um, my neighbors have already mentioned earlier. Um, so the current setup in the crossing with the pickleball court and the soccer field really brings out a lot of traffic and activities to the neighborhood. This helps uh, the neighborhood to experience less crime and make the neighborhood much safer for everybody in general. At the same time, as the business owners just mentioned, um, it helps to bring uh, business to the local business, retail stores, coffee shop, juice stores, uh, really help these local business to survive and thrive through the pandemic. But more importantly, I wanna share, it has a lot of personal impact on me and on the community itself. I'm originally from China. I moved to uh, US in uh, 2015 and moved to San Francisco six years ago. And I lived in all kinds of different neighborhoods across San Francisco, North Beach, Marina, Knob Hill, you name it. But I never really felt that I belonged or fully integrated into the community. Only until I moved to East Cub and finding my passion on the pickleball court. This is such a magical community that is so inclusive. Um, I got invited onto the court even before I know what pickleball is and really took lessons, free classes from Michael and other friends here. Um, and no matter what's your age, your gender, where you come from, what kind of language you speak, you're welcome to join this community and play on the pickleball court. And I, I think this is really the magic about this community. Um, so I really urge um, everyone here to really pause and reconsider the design of the park to incorporate the current design with the active space to help us to reserve this magic in the community and don't take it away from us. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> Good afternoon. My name is Lisa Chang. I am a local emergency physician and a homeowner in the area for the last 10 years or so. Um, as being a healthcare provider, I wanted to kind of emphasize the benefits East Cause has provided for the community. I wanted to talk about how it has provided like such immense physical and mental health and emotional well-being. This truly unique space offers the general public access to athletic opportunities without any barriers. There's no fee, no membership, no skills necessary. You don't even need to have friends who participate. You can walk by and you'll be invited. This happens almost on a daily basis when I'm out there playing pickleball with these wonderful people. Um, it's organically created an environment for neighbors to socially interact while doing something fun or trying something new and challenging. I mean, this is how we all form new friendships and make new bonds, which has been super challenging the last few years through the pandemic. Um, I've watched my social circle shrink until I started playing pickleball. And it's every day you make a new friend and there's really nothing that feels better than that. Um, and everybody shares something, has some commonality with you, which is more and more rare these days as everybody lives a more and more isolated digital life. I uh, joke that the East Coast Crossing is a 
cure-all for the loneliness pandemic, for the obesity pandemic, and for our burnout pandemic. And as a physician, I would love to see all those evils go away. Um, so please consider saving our active space, incorporate it into what's currently planned. And, you know, I've been sitting here hearing you guys talk about affordable housing. I think an affordable active space for all is equally important. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Uh, my name is Ravi Kota. Um, thank you so much for this wonderful time that you have given to us, to all of us. Uh, we all are here to talk about East Coast, uh, keeping the East Coast uh, pickleball courts for all of us, for the community. But I have a slightly different agenda for this. Um, pickleball courts currently is really helping us to break the people are coming from the different cultures from across the globe. Uh, there's one place that, uh, that people can share their cultures, and then they, ca they can come as a common community, is that the sports, definitely the pickleball is the one of the best sport um, that can easily, people can learn, and then you know, share thoughts and help each other and uh, build the trust among the people. So, um, and I'm a founder, startup founder, and I'm CEO too. Uh, but the area that I'm working is uh, longevity. This is basically to help people to live longer by giving them the better life, healthy life. So, uh, and older adult people, so this is an interesting point. I think most of the people know this. Um, the sports for the older adult really helps to live longer because it brings the mental health, good mental health, it, the physical health, and that eventually gives them the good health. So that is uh, one request. Uh, please keep the East Cat Crossing pickleball courts for all of us, for all the community, entire community. Uh, if possible, please add more courts and encourage older adult people to come and play pickleball. And thank you so much. And my name is Ravi Koda. Thank Good afternoon, my name's Ryan. I'm a resident of the East Cut. Um, it's been my experience that the crossing has turned the East Cut from a collection of nice tall buildings to a real neighborhood. And not just a neighborhood, but actually a fairly vibrant one. Um, I, I think that, uh, I, I was listening earlier to a previous public comment period and something stuck with me that, you know, it's, San Francisco is kind of a difficult place for families. You don't hear kids very often. And the East Cut Crossing is a place where you do, actually. It's very nice. Um, I don't know what it takes from OCI, planning-wise or otherwise, to keep the crossing the same, but I urge you to not take that away from the community. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, good afternoon. My name is Veronica Kai. Um, since you guys cut my time, I'm gonna do a combo, if that's okay. Um, before I start, I just want um, to use our time. <laughs> well, Angie, do you want to quickly oh, introduce Sure, my name is Angie Christensen. I've been living in um, District 6 or South Beach, East Cut, Mission Bay for over 10 years off and on. I've been a homeowner. Right. So before we start, I just want to quickly um, share that you guys heard a lot, and I thought you know some picture would do wonders just to you know for you guys to appreciate mm -hmm. you know what we've been talking about, why we love it so much. Um, so, yeah. 
So this is a crossing with the air view. I mean, you know, um, this is taken by CBD, but. Um, Oh, in the oh, sorry. Right. So, so this is just an overview of where it's located and how it's looking. It's beautiful from, I guess, the air view. And then this is, you know, uh, an event. And we do have a lot of event that um, brings the community together. Keep going. Um, this just happened several weeks ago. We had a lot of people coming out, participating. The mayor was there, uh, talking to a lot of teenagers. We have the soccer role event. Look how, you know, awesome, uh, you know, people's emotions are. Little kids, <laughs> cute dogs, <laughs> Valentine's Day, rock band, uh, another uh, kids uh, activity playground. Uh, we have bridging gaps between different communities. Pickleball. And that, uh, look how busy it is in the after work crowd. Um, chess, we play chess at the park. Uh, 49er games to watch together. Um, there's a little kid in the background there um, riding a bike. I don't know if you can see. Next. A family playing uh, basketball. Um, a high, um, I'm sorry, middle school students playing pickleball in the mornings. <laughs> Dog walkers. At oh. night. Um, the pickleballers are keeping <laughs> this, the lights on. So is the soccer um, a pair. And then that's LuxFit. And the um, and that's uh, some of oh sorry looks bad. and then um, that's the bar, garden. <laughs> um, the boba and brewer, um, the gyro place, yes. and uh, workers at the park having lunch, and then this is a group of um, pickleballers um, having you know a lunch after uh, the play, and farmers market. So this I think that's it. Thank you so much. Did you want to? Say <coughs> no, go ahead. No, no, okay. You sure? Okay. All right. All right. Now for my prepared remark. Um, I thank you for the opportunity to address you today. Um, my name is Veronica Kai. I have been a resident at the East Cup for over 18 years, so I'm one of the originals. Uh, I stand before you today because I deeply cherish what the crossing has brought to our community. I think you've heard a lot. I, along with several others, representing over 600 residents and workers, have submitted a letter to the commission urging you guys to pause the current building plan for Block 3. Our collective plead is for a reassessment, reevaluation of our community's needs. And again, you guys heard a lot as to why. Uh, mainly is in, in light of the changing, changing um, world we have experienced and continue to experience post-COVID. Um, I know we're asking you to do a really hard thing because a lot of well intentions and hard work have already gone into the current plan and changing course at this stage is unusual. But the COVID pandemic changed course for many people and things. San Francisco continued to grapple with recovery. The steep rise in healthcare costs <coughs> urges us to reassess how our urban environments cater to our health and well-being. In my opinion, our public priority should be safety first, followed by cleanliness, citizen well-being, commercial vibrancy, and, and then aesthetic enhancement in that order. 
The crossing is a proven success in the East Cut with clear alignment to the order of priorities. And you are in a unique position to lead this change and be the hero, transforming a passive urban living into an active, vibrant, and health-conscious community. Let East Cut be the success story that we can all brag about. As you deliberate on the future of Block 3, please remember our community is open to supporting the OCII staff on the reassessment and redesign of Block 3. In, in closing, um, I know the crossing has done a lot of um, things and helped a lot of people, but personally, <clears throat> a lot of times when I walk within my neighborhood, I think of the song, What a Wonderful World, no. by Louis Armstrong. Mm -hmm. So please don't take this away. Thank you, Ms. Thank Tai. You. Hi, my name is Ruby Nicholas, and I am a person who just transplanted here from central Pennsylvania, where nothing gets done ever because of the hillbillies. And I just want to let you know that this place is so cute and so nice. And when I moved here, I remember asking my boyfriend when I moved to San Francisco in October of last year, well, who are your friends? Where are all your friends? And he was like, well, you know, I play soccer sometimes. <laughs> and then in a year now, he didn't come home until 4 o'clock in the morning last week because he was wrestling with his new friends. I'm not okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> These are people who are bonding from all over the country, like all over the world. And I've never seen so many people get together all at once and be welcomed by each other. I come over a place where nobody welcomes anybody and it's awful. And to be in a place like San Francisco on the island of misfit toys and to find that there's a micro island of misfit toys inside of San Francisco where everybody's just nice to each other, I don't think you should take that place away. And I only have one question of the commission. What do you guys need to do to change your minds? Is there a law? Is there a resolution? Does this nice lady say, I vote this, and then this nice lady says, I second this? Or do we just keep coming back again and again and wasting everyone's time, and y'all are just going to do what you're going to do? I just need to know because I'm confused. If are the microphones the off? Chair, um, um, Ma'am, uh, this period is not a back and forth. This is opportunity for the public to address the commission. Uh, and then later in the agenda, the commission speaks on matters that are important to them. They may address some of these comments, they may not. So this is not a back and forth. I didn't want it to be awkward for you. No, no, it's up. totally cool. But then what happens on the very end? Like when does voting happen or a referendum happens or these nice people get to say, we did it? Y your question is lodged for the record. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Any other members who'd like to speak who are here in person? Okay, we're shifting over to our remote callers, starting with our first caller. And again, a reminder to other members who joined us by phone, if you want to provide public comment, please press star three or the asterisk and three on your mobile devices. Uh, yes, hello. Um, my name is Patrick Kelly. And um, I'm a resident of the uh, East Cut. I live at uh, 280 Beale, which is Natalie Gubb Common. And I'm very, very grateful and fortunate to live in the neighborhood. A year ago, I got a notice that I would, uh, was on the list to um, be in one of the apartments. And I was very, very excited because to, to be um, offered that opportunity. 
And um, one, of, one of the concerns I have going into the neighborhood was um, how am I going to be able to make friends? What am I going to be able to do there? Coming from a, a, a Dolores Park neighborhood. Um, and when I moved in, I, um, there, I, I was actually recovering from some uh, back surgery. And long story short is I discovered the crossing. And the crossing has over the past um, months become my home and my family. And um, it's brought me so many opportunities to interact with people, not only through pickleball, through um, all of my, my, my friends, the food vendors, my friends at the bar. Um, I'm very fortunate to be able to give free pickleball lessons as a retired person. Um, I'm very excited about the sport. Um, and I love going to all the events there. And, um, you know, this is my, my community. And um, you know, I, 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 this is my family. And we're talking about building um, a, a community and a, a neighborhood. And I'm very excited to be living there and to be working with everybody. And the CBD is awesome. And we've been working really closely um, with the neighborhood, getting signatures, and, um, you know, making sure that we get our point across that what has spontaneously happened at the crossing is something very, very special and something that we need to focus on and something that we need to keep going. Thank you. And with that, uh, thank you for letting me speak. Thank you so much. Good afternoon. My name is Dan Clark. I've lived and worked a few blocks from the crossing at East Coast for 14 years. Uh, there's a lot of talk in San Francisco these days about activating or reactivating public spaces. And I know that may seem or sound like a buzzword concept, but I believe many residents also see it as a great idea uh, to see that concept already in action. One very appropriate example is the crossing at East Cut. Although it's considered to be a temporary park, the activities and synergy there is quite impressive. People come for the mini soccer fields, the outdoor gym, the pickleball courts, the food court, other pop-up events, walking their dog, or just to sit and relax. One of the things that's really noticeable is the way people mix and connect, taking breaks from soccer or the gym or pickleball to hang out, socialize, get food from the food court, and to make new friends. I don't know if San Francisco Recreation and Parks tracks how many people use their parks and facilities or for how long per visit, but I did some counting recently at the crossing at various times over a couple of days. On a Friday afternoon, I counted as many as 14 people using the gym, 21 people playing pickleball, 24 eating at the food court, 16 people playing soccer, and 13 people in the other category. On a Saturday morning and afternoon, there were as many as six people using the gym, 31 people playing pickleball, 12 people eating at the food court, 20 people playing soccer. There was a children's soccer camp going on, and I got 36 people in the other category, including a very well-attended uh, sensory play for children pop-up event. So this space is already getting a lot of usage morning, afternoon, and evening from a very wide range of ages. With all this in mind, I hope you'll consider how many people are already getting enjoyment from all the activities and socialization currently available at the crossing. And as other people have mentioned, if you're in the area, you should definitely stop by and see it in person. Thank, Thank you, you for your time and consideration. Thank you.
Go ahead. Hello. Next caller. Kids. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Hello. Good afternoon. My name is Nesda, and I'm the parent of three kids, 12, 10, and 2 months old. We live in the building Friends of the Crossing at the East Pass. My kids go to street soccer twice on a week, plus on the weekends to play with the neighborhood friends. I also take my toddler to play since the area in the court, soccer street, the street soccer courts um, are safe and locked up. My husband also goes to play, goes to play with the adults right after work. As uh, us as a family and as a parent, we cannot afford for my kids to play in the private team. So this is the best thing in the city that happens to us as families living in the neighborhood. Um, my biggest concern is the only fun activities for kids and families in the area that might be removed. I'm asking to consider keeping the courts and everything in there for the sake of the balance in the loving neighborhood. Thank you for letting me speak today and have a good the rest of your day. Thank you. Hello, thank you for extending me an opportunity to share a comment. My name is Evren Robeson, uh, born and raised in the city actually. Um, living in Knob Hill now, making my way to the pickleball courts a lot. I just prepared a few words to uh, express the pickleball court is to me in the community. In fair San Francisco, where we lay our scene, there blooms a court where pickleball's queen, a haven for us, both young and old, a tale of camaraderie beautifully told. In this urban sprawl where shadows loom, our pickleball courts dispel the gloom, a melting pot of hearts and minds where friendships grow and lovers bond. Oh, noble counsel, lend us your ear. For this court we hold so dear. It brings us laughter, fitness, glee, beacon of unity for all to see. So let this court in vibrant boom be preserved, for we thick of Zoom. Within its precincts, prejudice takes flight, leaving room for understanding, pure and bright. Thank you very much. I yield my Thank you very much. <laughs> Hi. 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 Uh, my name is Patrick Kelly, and um, I believe I already spoke, oh. but I'd be happy oh, to yeah. speak again. Oh, no, no. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Are you sure? I'm very happy to. I'm going to clear the queue, but if you haven't spoken, could you please press star three again? There you go. Thank you. Hi there. Hi, uh, my name is Chris Chang. I've been a resident of the East Coast for over eight years. Um, for context, I also serve as the HOA president for the High Rise Lumina directly across the street from the crossing, uh, representing thousands of voices of residents. I also serve as the co-founder of IDSF, a coalition of residents and businesses in the neighborhood that has included HOA community leaders from most of the large high-density buildings in the neighborhood. 
Uh, we worked closely with these cuts, CBD, OCII, and TJPA on a number of critical topics over the years. I'm calling in to urge the Commission to support the continued activation of the crossing in its current form, at least until new hubs for active recreation in the neighborhood are completed. My comments are echoed by hundreds of neighborhood petition signatures gathered just since this morning, and the number is growing even as I speak. The crossing is a shining example of successful activation downtown through building community, facilitating small business commerce, and serving as destination event space. It has enabled a mixed-use market rate and relatively high percentage of affordable housing to thrive as one of the newest neighborhoods in the city, serving as the heartbeat of the East Cut and bringing together thousands of residents. With the BMR housing construction now underway on Block 2, this central hub for community interaction becomes even more important to maintain. While the current designs of Pelican Park are lovely as a restful natural space, such public benefit already exists just up the street at Salesforce Park, along with several other privately owned public spaces throughout the community. However, the designs are unfortunately, uh, as a passive open space, go against the urgent needs of our densely populated, family-rich neighborhood. But there is a very feasible solution here. I urge the Commission to thoughtfully pause on the Pelican Park implementation to reassess if and how more active recreational facilities could be incorporated to support health and well-being of thousands of residents and workers in the neighborhood. Please keep the crossing activated in order to continue providing the core recreational and civic space that thousands of us rely on every day, Thank at least you. until new hubs for active recreation are completed. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Hi, can you all hear me? Yes. Hi. Hi, thank you. My name is Raja. Uh, I used to live in the East Cut neighborhood about uh, two years ago. I moved to San Francisco to uh, for work. And then <laughs> I left after a year and a half because it felt like a food desert. Beyond a the point, there was not a lot of food options. There were not things to do. Now, I recently started playing pickleball at East Cut, and it's wonderful. I mean, they're wonderful people. Uh, I mean, the course can be a little better, but uh, it's wonderful people surrounded by food, music. Uh, I think it's good for the physical, mental health of the people who live in East Cut and others like me who visit. And also, it's good for the economy. And I think if you all remove it, that will have negative uh, effects and consequences on people's life as this is the local occupation rate and economy. So. I think, yeah, I, I don't exactly know what the alternate proposal is and if you all can find a way for a win-win. And I, I'm sure everybody would be happy to help to make that happen. But we would really love to keep this place access and request your help in doing the same. So yeah, please help. Thank you. Thank you. Hi there, can you hear me? Yes, go ahead, thank you. Hi. Hi, my name is Ricardo. Uh, I've been a resident of the East Cut for the last uh, 12 years, and I want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to make a public comment. Having lived here for over a decade, I have to say that the urban interventions implemented at the crossing, the soccer fields, pickleball courts, the beer garden area with local businesses, have been the most effective intervention at giving the East Cut a real feeling of neighborhood. By this, I mean having people that use and care about the space and all the community connections that naturally happen uh, when folks hang out. I think part of the reason for the success is the active use of the space. 
that in a way almost forces connections to, to happen. People go to play pickleball or soccer and keep coming back because they made new friends. Specifically on the soccer fields, I started going more frequently with my seven-year-old son this summer, both for soccer practices with USA Soccer, but most of the time just by showing up after school or on the weekend. And we've made lots of new friends. He has new friends of the same age all the way up to kids that are 14 years old. And I personally made friends with other parents. And uh, the beautiful thing is that these friendships cross socioeconomic levels, backgrounds, and, and faith. This is a little sad, but I'm pretty sure that these connections would not have happened if we didn't have the soccer fields. In other words, from my personal experience, this has been the most effective tool at preventing a segregated use of the space. And I would kindly ask the council to please reconsider the original part, the plans for the Pelican Park. These kids have a sense of belonging and ownership of the park today, and it would be terrible to take that away from them. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Hello, my name is Bob Hall. I'm calling to support the current design for Pelican Park. This green park in the concrete and steel fully complies with the spirit of the San Francisco Biodiversity Resolution that was passed in 2018 and signed by the Board of Supervisors. Pelican Park offers an important timeout for wildlife downtown and people suffering nature deficit disorder. Green spaces like Pelican Park provide crucial nature content for urban residents. We have greater access and exposure to nature places to work, learn, play. We tend to experience better human health outcomes. Urban parks, trees, and vegetation encourage physical activity, reduce anxiety and depression, support social by providing gap-free spaces, and associated with mortality and improved overall health. Traditionally, biodiversity conservation has focused large open spaces. However, cities can also play a role in supporting biodiversity. Many of the world's major cities developed in biodiversity hotspots like San Francisco due to historical settlement patterns dependent on natural resources. Thus, cities contain vital remnant habitat as well as globally important native and endangered species that rely on urban rain spaces. We have about uh, 77 endangered species in San Francisco that need room. In many cities, wildlife have no choice but to spend part of their time in cities, and quality urban green spaces are key to provide that. Thanks to everyone for creating this equitable, biodiverse park, and thanks to the community for coming together and agreeing this park should give it a green oasis in an area with limited greenery. Thanks. Thank you. Jamie, can we check how many people we have in queue right now? There's, I see five. So okay. Thank you. Caller, you can go ahead. Hi there. Can you guys, can you guys hear me? Yes. All right. Um, my name is Daniel Wu. I'm a 23-year-old SF native. I've been a big fan of the crossing at East Cut, um, and I'm a regular there to play pickleball and basketball. Um, my dad went to Lincoln. I went to Wash. I've been in SF for pretty much my entire life, so a large network and a huge community in the city. Um, but yes, the community at the crossing has been one of the strongest I've been a part of. Um, I moved to East Cut earlier this year, um, which is have a big, big move to Sunset, but it's worked out really well. This space has 
impacted a lot of us positively, and the amount of people here to provide public comment hopefully shows the impact of this space, and I hope you guys all reconsider. Thank you. Thank you. Hello. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, you can hear I, me. Uh, thank you so much for the opportunity to speak today. My name is Sandra Jacob. To add to our re-emphasize the importance of in the current plans and testing the time truly of, of the crossing uh, in question. My husband and I moved to the East Cut area about a year ago, and the crossing at East Cut has instrumental helping cut to the It hosts of our beloved people boats, a French summit where the community really comes to and where moments are really cherished. I urge it to the value uh, to the people of their own. It's not just a court, it's a meal, it's a hub of social and the community together. Before people take I urge you to take and to comprehend this map to all of us. And God is truly holds the power to preserve something truly special. <coughs> Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, my name is Diego Panyagua. I'm an 18-year-old uh, first-year student at State University. Uh, so I come from San Bernardino County and like eight hours away. And I've only been here in the SF area for about five but it's been the best five months of being out here because of the As a fresh high school graduate, I never felt like I was going to belong in a place like SF because having no friends coming out here would suck. But, um, you know, not to call names, but, you know, I met a great friend named Shazad Khan, and he has um, given me guidance, you know, around the city and, you know, meeting new people, and he's he's welcomed, or he's had showed me that I can go every day for well. And ever since that day, I've been, I've been at the pickleball court to play free time or go and play soccer whenever I want. And it's just been a really great, like, diverse area I can always sit to and know that I have friends there. I mean, I might not be the same age as them, but, you know, I can still talk and, you know, converse with everyone. It was so great to, like, have a long area. And I feel, you know, we should still have this for the community and hearing all the great things um, other people are saying. Um, I would ask you guys to please reconsider um, allow us to have this um, community once again, my Diego Panagua, and thank you for listening. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Jane, and thank you all for letting me speak today. Uh, my family and I have been living at the East Cut neighborhood for the past seven years. Um, it's for the crossing at the East Cut and the pickleball courts. Um, our family has never really felt a sense of community, um, despite being all of the tall rise apartments near us. Um, like many people on this call and in person today, um, I also urge the pause to the design of the park and keep the crossing at the East Cut. 
um, keeping the simple courts and keeping the crossing is definitely crucial for our community as it fosters a sense of togetherness and strengthens our neighborhood. Um, pickleball has been a sport that has been growing in popularity um, by attracting many players of all ages and backgrounds. Um, and these courts have been vibrant um, in terms of um, seasoned players, mentoring newcomers, um, forging new friendships, um, and also um, building a sense of community for us. Um, the sport has also really encouraged um, not only my family, but the rest of us a healthy living and active participation, um, which contributes significantly to, to, to the overall well-being of all the residents there. Um, and really by preserving the pickleball courts and the East Cut Crossing, uh, the city will ensure a dedicated space for residents to be able to gather, gather socialize, and engage in physical activities. Um, so like the rest of the people on the call today, um, I definitely support the positive design of the park um, and urge to keep the pickleball courts. Thank you. Thank you so much. <clears throat> Hello, are you there? Hi, I'm so sorry, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, I'm sorry, I had it on mute, so I was trying to talk, trying to resist the urge to say, can you hear me, but I oh. guess I should have. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm John Church, uh, I'm actually a resident in the uh, Western edition, and uh, like many of the callers, who've spoken already, uh, I found a great community uh, at the pickleball courts at East Cut. I know that many of the other activities there have been a community for people as well. Uh, and I just want to call in support of a redesigned Pelican Park that somehow preserves um, that community around the activities uh, at the courts and, and the other activities at East Cut. Uh, you know, even though I live pretty far away, I still find myself and my friend commuting up to uh, East Cut a couple times a week just because what's there really is special and it's it's different than anything else. It's not like you just go there um, to play a couple of games and you leave. You go there and you meet people in many different walks of life and you, you, know, you make friends there in a the community that I haven't found anywhere else in the city. Uh, and I know it's been special for many people here, so I just uh, want to call in support of somehow continuing um, that community and that tradition uh, in the Pelican, uh, Pelican Park design. So thank you for the time and the ability to add a comment. Thank you. Next caller. Hi, um, I'm assuming you can all hear me. Um, if not, please let me know. Um, my name is Julia. I am um, a resident of San Francisco. I've been here for about two years. Um, I, like many other people here, are super, super thankful and fortunate to have found East Cut and the community there and especially the pickleball courts. Um, I have no other way to put it other than saying it's such, such a special place. I think it's a place where people from all different backgrounds, from every part of life are able to come and be themselves and find people around them that are supportive and kind. And that's something that goes a huge way when thinking about the pandemic, when people are all in separate places and when people don't have the opportunity to connect with each other. Um, East Cut Crossing and the Pickleball Courts really bring people together. 
And, you know, I think it's, um, I appreciate the work that everyone is doing to try to continue building off East Cut and totally hear the point on this new park being created in this park can be a space down the road. But I think the question I have that I urge all of you to think about is within that huge time span that it takes for this park to be built, um, where are the gatherings then? Like, where is the community at that point? Where does that put the people in the meantime? Um, because it is such a long process to get such a huge um, park built up. Um, so appreciate everything um, that is being done to build up the community and hope that we're able to preserve the community at East Cut in any way possible. And um, to continue, continue having the spaces for recreational activities such as pickleball, soccer, and continue having the space for people to come and really enjoy um, being in San Francisco and finding a home there. And I think it overall benefits the overall vibrance of our entire city. Thank, Thank you. you. Caller, go ahead. Hello. Hello, it's me. Hi there. Yes. <laughs> Who is? That? I never know. Is it? Are you there? Hello. Yes, hello, we can hear hello. you. We can hear you. Go ahead. Oh, hey, is it me? I don't know if I'm if I'm on the speaker now or if it's someone else. Yes, uh, you're on speaker to okay. provide public comment. Okay, so my name is Diana Yaron. I'm also a member of this community in the pickleball park. <laughs> and I just wanted to add, um, I have two questions. How much does the maintaining cost for a park worth a pickleball park? Just on water and gardening worth yeah, I don't think pickleball park costs so much. Plus, it's already developed, it's already there, and does not need more investment, much more. And then, on the other hand, um, San Francisco, all the stores and uh, everything has closed down. What is left? Okay, yeah, this is only what I wanted to say. Thank you. Oh, okay. Thank you so much. Um, Madam Chair, I do not see any other members of the public wishing to comment on this item. Hearing no further requests for to speak on public comments, I will now close public comments. But before I do, I'd also like to acknowledge that our commission did receive the letters from the Transbay community members, and we'd like to thank everyone for sharing their testimonies and concerns today. The commission will take all of your comments into consideration, and there will be um, future follow-up. Um, Madam Secretary, please call the next item. The next order of business is item seven, report of the chair. <laughs> Madam Chair. Um, I have a short report today, finally. <laughs> um, I just wanted to um, let everyone know that I had the opportunity to be invited to the Black Developers Forum at the MOAD event over on Friday, October 6th. Um, where over 100 developers or small developers or would-be developers attended um, to commune with each other throughout the community and through that engagement. Um, Presidio Bay Foundation reached out to um, inquire if OCII can partner with them on expanding career training and opportunities for youth and, and from historically disadvantaged communities about um, how to become a developer or um, also other 
um, how to be part of the development community. So um, just wanted to share that and um, asking Madam Secretary to please call the next item. Thank you, Madam Chair. The next order of business is item eight, report of the executive director. We have item 8A, which is an issuance <coughs> of a request for qualifications to develop, own, and operate affordable housing mixed-use projects on Mission Bay South, Block 4 East, Mission Bay South Redevelopment Project Area discussion. Director Koslovsky. Thank you, Madam Secretary, members of the commission, members of the public. Um, earlier, there was a discussion about environmental study related to one of the blocks that's the subject of this request for qualifications. Um, and this, this item is a, really a notification informing the commission that OCII is preparing to, re, to issue a request for qualifications, or RFQ as we call it, uh, for an affordable housing opportunity on Mission Bay uh, Block 4 East. Um, that block is located uh, along 3rd Street between the streets of Mission Rock and China Basin across from the Public Safety Building. The RFQ will seek a qualified team to initiate pre-development work to determine the maximum number of units for the site. And we saw some of the concepts that we looked at at least directly. And then ultimately to build and operate it as well. It describes <coughs> our goals for the project, which include maximum placement of certificate of preference holders and provides a general overview for the anticipated housing program. The targeted focus for the housing are certificate of preference holder families, especially those displaced by former redevelopment agency. And the housing focus will also be for low-income families with approximately 20% of the units designated for households experiencing homelessness. Overall, OCII envisions a thriving family rental community with units ranging from uh, one bedroom to three bedroom sizes with open space and building amenities to be tailored to, the meet, to meet the needs of families of varying types including certificate of preference families with household members ranging widely in age and also in interest. In addition to the housing, uh, the project will include ground floor community space for potential uses like art-based education, youth or family service organizations. And we plan to release this RFQ this week um, with responses due in the first quarter of 2024. We anticipate selecting a development team and bringing them to the Mission Bay Citizens Advisory Committee in early Q quarter two of 2024, and then afterwards to the commission in late Q2 2024. So we're really excited to get this out into the development community, and um, we heard your comments <coughs> on certificate of preference improvements, and we tried to incorporate as many of those as possible. So thank you. Madam Secretary, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment? At this time, if there are any members of the public who wish to provide public comment on item 8A, please call 415-655-0001, enter access code 2660-866-5108, followed by the pound sign, then the pound sign again to enter the call, then press star, then three to be placed in the queue. If you are already on the phone with us and would like to provide public comment on item 8A, please press star three on your mobile phones. We'd like to begin by inviting anyone in person who would like to provide comment on this item to come up to uh, the podium at this time. And members of the public um, who joined us remotely, 
which we do not have anyone anymore. Madam Chair, um, it does not appear we have any members of the public wanting to comment on this item. Okay, seeing no further requests to speak on this item, mm -hmm. we'll close public comment and I'll direct my um, next you question to comments to our fellow commissioners. <coughs> This is where you guys can ask questions that were previously um, kind of forwarded towards the end that were regarding COP. Um, as you mentioned also, Commissioner Aquino, about um, um, Tay Youth, et cetera. So these, this is kind of where all of those questions would come about. Okay. Um. No, do you have anything? Well, I, I um, as I continued reading and listening, many of my questions have been answered. And I'm grateful for all that's been heard, shared, and um, just um, look forward to considering everything for the better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I heard everything as well, and at this time I don't, have any further uh, <coughs> questions or comments um, at this moment? Thank you. I have um, probably just three or four small um, comments, um, Director Koslowski. Um, so, in terms of um, I know that in our um, some of our projects. Um, that have previously came about. There have been some issues in terms of rental or lease up with retail spaces on the bottom floors of some mixed use developments. So um, would love to see um, as part of the RFP some type of inclusionary language around um, small businesses being engaged during the design phase on the MEP um, being part of this proposal um, just so that, you know, um, we really get um, have a robust active community um, similar to some of the comments that are coming in East Bay cut um, there were a lot of small businesses that were having trouble or there was also some vacancies around those areas so whatever we can do to engage the small business community to be part of that lease up and make sure that the spaces actually conform to the types of businesses that they want to have in that space and that it's not a financial barrier for them especially when it comes to coffee shops restaurants etc that need um, special plumbing needs floor plumbing um, hoods that type of stuff that were um, intentional about that um, in the project and that um, those who are applying to be part of this RFP are aware that they're going to be asked to do that. Um, in response to kind of some of the comments that um, Commissioner Scott um, mentioned earlier, um, really would like to see more inclusionary language um, hopefully added um, around the property management qualifications and criteria that's really more focused on quality of delivering of the services. Um, not just the quantity or being able to have previous experience with larger populations. Um, I'd really like to see um, a different mix of property management companies coming to OCII. Um, I know that we've had some challenges with previous ones at different properties and that has um, impacted um, residents' experience as well as um, quality of life issues and some of our other properties. Um, 
also um, if there could also be some small language around um, I would say um, materials used. I know in a couple of our properties there were some issues in terms of the materials that were used in the buildings that prevented um, people from being able to access quality Wi-Fi. Um, and that was a challenge, especially for folks um, during the pandemic in their buildings. They could not um, get adequate Wi-Fi even when they used some of the top providers. So just making sure that um, as we are selecting and going through some of these processes that there's extra attention to those things so that we don't see those um, issues reoccurring as we continue to build more affordable housing. And my last one is just to say thank you to you guys. <laughs> I know that there was a lot of feedback in the last couple months um, from community um, as well as myself and other folks. You guys have done an amazing job outreaching and being out in community, um, engaging with diverse stakeholders um, to, you know, kind of get to this point of even putting out an RFP. And so I just want to really thank the team for all of that hard work. And um, looking forward to seeing who's going to apply. <laughs> so thank you. Um, there's no other further comments from my fellow commissioners. Madam Secretary, can you call the next Ma item? Madam Chair, oh, you if I may. Uh, okay. First of all, I want to thank you for those comments. We can incorporate them. I just want to also publicly acknowledge and thank Elizabeth Colomello and Kim Opsfeld, who uh, worked on this RFQ and also worked, uh, and Pam Sims as well, who worked on the previous replacement housing uh, workshop. Again, we've been listening and trying to do as much as we can, as soon as we can, uh, to incorporate uh, good improvements to the process. I have other items, one or two items, in the executive director's report. Um, but, Jim, were you going to? No. <coughs> yeah. Right. Um, if I may, Madam Chair. Um, so I wanted to give a quick update on the reparations committee. Uh, they've asked for myself and uh, Eric Shaw, who's head of the Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development, to testify at a, at a meeting next week, uh, Monday, uh, to talk about our work in um, looking at some of their recommendations, trying to implement them. So I'll be talking about our work on replacement housing, um, our work on enhancing the COP program, and we've also been working with the Human Rights Commission to look at our COP demographic data to try and provide them some information about seniors in the COP, or COP seniors, because uh, they're considering trying to uh, initiate cash payments to them. So I wanted to notify the commission of, of that and our work there. I also wanted to give a really brief update on the Fillmore Heritage Center. Um, the Fillmore Heritage Center will transfer to the city uh, next year or in 2025, pursuant to the long-term property management plan that was approved in 2015. That, along with the adjacent parcel, which is the Ellis uh, driveway, will transfer as part of that project. Um, you guys may know that, remember that the Mayor's Office of Housing Community Development issued a request for proposals for an operative site, and they selected somebody to negotiate with. Um, they issued the RFP in February, and they selected somebody uh, just recently in October. The mayor made an announcement. Um, the organization is called Westside Community Services. They're in partnership with the San Francisco Housing <coughs> Development Corporation and Fleming Development for the operation of the site. Uh, the mayor's office anticipates that the team will be approved in the first quarter of 2024, and the space will be opening by the end of next year. Um, I want to let the commission and the public know that the mayor's office is holding a community meeting and update to talk about this. Uh, this Sunday, November 12th, at 3 p.m. at Third Baptist Church, which is at 1399 McAllister Street in San Francisco. 
That's this Sunday, November 12th at 3 p.m. at Third Baptist Church, 1399 McAllister Street for an update on the Fillmore Heritage <coughs> um, lease negotiations. And that concludes my report. Thank you. Um, seeing that that's been approved and moved forward, um, will the commission receive more specifics about the actual project and what was um, submitted? Uh, Madam Chair, um, yes, they're still in the lease negotiations phase. So uh, we'll be at the community meeting and we're continuing to work with the mayor's office as they reveal um, details about the proposals. But we're not in the selection process. They're mm -hmm. taking it on, they're transferring it, and they're negotiating the final terms. Um, so as we get information, I'll provide it to you as, as we did today. Okay. No, we just wanted to get an update so we're more clear of like what actually is the plan so that if we are approached by community, we know exactly, you know, at least in general terms, what is the project, um, what they're anticipating um, to um, activate the space with. Right. Um, I can give you their preliminary concept, which is a, um, they call it a destination restaurant of the African diaspora. Uh, performance programming with a diverse range of musical acts, so it sounds like they intend to uh, retain the performance space. Uh, they want to have a food hall and a commercial kitchen, which uh, implies to me they want to keep the size of the, the kitchen there, the old Yoshi space. They want to create a visual art gallery focused on the African diaspora as well, which means they'll keep the gallery space. Uh, and then along with having space for community uh, meetings, corporate events, film festival, and other neighborhood events. That's their broad concept as it stands right now. Okay. And I'm sure that'll evolve through community conversations. And just for one last point of clarification, is that inclusive of the other 1300 space or is that just the Heritage Center space? Because my understanding was the <coughs> RFP included both spaces. My understanding it includes both spaces as well. And then the garage, of course, is part of the overall operation, but the city will be owning and operating that separately. Okay. Thank you. Nothing to that, no. Okay. Seeing no other fellow comments from my fellow commissioners, um, Madam Secretary, can you please call the next item? The next <coughs> order of business is item nine, commissioners' questions and matters. Madam Chair. Thank you. I do. <laughs> um, <coughs> so I just want to point out um, and highlight uh, the Bayview Hunters Point. Um, the weekend of October 21st and 22nd, the Shipyard Art Studio held their 39th event. Next year will be the 40th, so it's a big deal, uh, showcasing local artists. Um, I was excited to attend both days. I got to see our executive director, Kovslowski. Uh, I met some artists, uh, local artists who are, um, and then purchased some artwork. Um, also, I'm just really proud of the local artists who are given the opportunity to shine and show their talents. I think um, this event brought, the, um, my understanding brought uh, quite a bit of a big attendance um, and um, thousands of visitors who came out uh, to the Shipyard Open Studios weekend. Um, I know our mayor did was in attendance, um, did not see her, but I know she was in attendance. And um, just also want to point out 
Um, I was super excited to participate during the weekend of this art studio. The Hunters Point Navy Shipyard also held their bus tour. I've done a couple of these bus tours in the past uh, prior to pandemic. And at that time, I couldn't get off the bus. But this time, first time I was off the bus, I made sure I brought my camera and just was elated and ecstatic to uh, step foot on the property and really size up the area, which I thought was um, amazing. And to know that is our uh, San Francisco's land. So it was really exciting to partake in that. So um, just wanted to highlight those two things that I've did in the community and just really proud to participate in them. Thank you. So I would also um, like to acknowledge, and I believe um, someone came up and gave the name of um, a city leader that passed away. And I don't know that name. Did, did anyone get it? But I also <coughs> have uh, someone I want to acknowledge and honor her life's journey. It was Mrs. Moselle Brooks. And she was the owner of Moselle's um, restaurant in San Francisco and known as the San Francisco Queen of Soul Food. Just an amazing woman that served in District 5 as well as in District 10. And amazingly, she started her business when she opened up her restaurant with one chicken. She had one whole chicken that she cut up and served to four people. And when they bought it, she went to the store and brought two chickens and cut that up and served eight persons. And that's how her business started with the side orders around her fried chicken. If you came in and said, do you serve fried chicken? She'd say, nope but I do serve Moselle's fried chicken. And she was just a pace setter for many of those that opened up their establishments and businesses throughout the years. And at COVID, she uh, succumbed to a diagnosis of cancer and finally gave into it Saturday, November 4th and uh, succumb. So her passing was then. We will be celebrating her life Tuesday, November 14th at the San Francisco Christian Center, 5825 Mission Street. And um, we're just inviting chefs throughout the city and Bay Area that loved and adored her and literally got their start from her cooking. And um, the name of the other person that was given to us is Helen Souse. And I did not know her story, but she was to be honored. I believe it was Oscar James. Yes, it was Oscar James. She was to be honored for her life's journey here in this city and her leadership throughout the city, and with hopes of hearing more about that. Thank you. I also had the pleasure of having Moselle's food, but it wasn't her fried chicken that had me coming back. It was her oxtails. The oxtails, <laughs> exactly. Yes. And um, my own funny story about Moelle, Moselle's is that um, she would always run out of food. So 
you had to get there early if you wanted your stuff. Otherwise, you just weren't going to be able to eat her great food. So mm -hmm. she was one of the premier cooks in the Bayview. It was, and I know Baker, uh, Dusty Baker, Willie Brown. I mean, all of the leaders, the Giants and 49ers just frequent her restaurant. And um, the funny thing was, didn't matter how important you were, you stood in line until it was your turn. And um, so we're going to miss her, and I'm working with her daughter now, who's here from Texas. And uh, we're pulling together her celebration of life. Mm -hmm. And um, my only final remark as far as the commission um, is I would like to offer that um, as we explore um, kind of coming together. I know we talked earlier about the resolution or um, finally putting together um, the replacement housing resolution. I um, am asking my fellow commissioners if we may be able to, in honor of the replacement um, housing um, resolution that may be coming to us um, at the next meeting or the future meetings, um, that we also um, possibly name it after Leola King who was a consummate business owner. Um, she was a multi-entrepreneur, um, serial entrepreneur in the Fillmore um, District, who her business was displaced twice by the redevelopment agency, as well as her homes were taken. Um, she passed away um, just a few years ago um, after almost going bankrupt trying to... Um, in litigation with the city to preserve her housing and to get reparations for the harm that was caused to her and her family. Madam Secretary, please call the next item. The next order of business is item 10, closed session. There are no closed session items. Next order of business is item 11, adjournment. Madam Chair. Fellow commissioners, um, we'll need a motion and second to adjourn our meeting. Madam Chair, I move that the meeting be adjourned. And I second that motion. The meeting is adjourned at 4.32 p.m.